Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is episode 112 and I'm regular host Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me our usual partners in crime. I'm Adam Zeller. Hello everyone. Also known as... Ridge Top on the forums. And who else is there? Eric Adams, otherwise known as Xenomorphine. And joining us is a special guest. He is here as our, I suppose, Marvel expert for this one. Please welcome Paul to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I basically, for those of you who are wondering how I got on the show, it's because I invited myself and they were <laughs> graciously very nice enough to oblige me. So, yes, I, I'm a longtime Marvel comic reader. And uh, you're, if you're wondering why a Marvel comic reader needs to be on the show, then I we got some news for you. Yeah, you might have missed some news if you're wondering. Yeah, so no, thanks for having me on the show, guys. It's an honor. I love the show. So, yeah, this is yeah. awesome. Good to have you here. It was good timing with you with you showing up and being like, oh, I love the show. And then the, the Marvel news dropped later on. I'd, I'd love to come on the show. You know, hey, just by, by chance, you know, it, it is really weird, which we can get into in a second. But yeah, it's how it all worked out is really crazy. But this is uh, exciting news all around, I think. Yeah, so we, we are going to be talking about the Marvel news. But b- before we do, though, as we do when we have a new guest on the show, I just want to pass it over to Paul just to tell us a little bit about his background with the Alien and Predator series. Over to you, Paul. All right. Well, uh, I, as, as I've warned the guys before, I, I tend to go on long, so I'll try to keep it short and concise. I, I loved uh, the Predator more so Alien as a younger person. I discovered Alien later on in my in my early 20s. I, have, I had watched Alien Resurrection in high school, and that was probably my first full Alien movie, which, as you can imagine... Yeah, yeah. Jumped... Good intro. Good intro. Right. That one was... Uh... Yeah, it was a little weird. I liked it more as someone in high school and then rewatching it literally the first time in 20 years, whatever it's been, like a month ago. And that was quite an experience. Which, by the way, I'd rather watch AVP2 Requiem or whatever. Sorry, I always say call it AVP2, but AVP Requiem over Resurrection any day of the week. So that's for you, Adam. So, uh, <laughs> Res- Resurrection actually grew on me, and I know it has for a number of fans too. I'd, I'd like I did not like it when I first saw it. Yeah, I mean, oof. maybe I'll watch it again and give it a chance. <laughs> uh, that was rough, but anyway. But then I, but Predator was the one I, I probably knew the best because I'd watched an edited movie version of that on cable or on regular television like a bunch of times and and love Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then my brother, he ended up buying the original graphic novel of Batman versus Predator. And I had read that thing over and over <laughs> and over again. And I freaking love that comic. That comic is great. So weird that it's written by the guy who drew Watchmen and then drawn by the legendary Andy Kubert. The art is phenomenal. I just, you know, it's weird to look at the original. I had the original one. And it's weird to look at because it's so dark. The pages are so, so dark. It's like, man, this is like hard to almost to look at it sometimes, but it's so good. I, I grew yeah. up on that. So I grew up loving Predator a little more than Alien at the time. And then, uh, I mean, watching Alien Predator 2, you know, and it just be like, oh, this is cool. And I'd always see the AVP comics, you know, kind of as I got older. And so basically I would kind of see peripherally going, okay, whatever. And AVP came out. I couldn't wait to see that movie because I had just watched Alien and Aliens. And I fell in love with those franchises because of, of AVP coming out. It's all coming back to me. It's been a while. And I remember I was at a friend's house. We were just in a road trip and AVP was about to come out and he had, he's a huge Aliens fan. And he, he basically was like, yeah, you should watch AV, Alien Aliens. I'm like, cool. And I, I fell in love with them. They became two of my favorite movies ever. I love those two movies to death. And he actually told me, Alien 3 though, I don't know if you're going to like that. 
because I love the the Marines, right? Because they kill off Newt and, and uh, Hicks. I'm like, what? I'd seen bits and pieces of Alien 3 here or there as, uh, you know, whatever on TV, kind of whatever. And then finally, when I got into Aliens, you know, later on, he told me that happened. I'm like, eh, I don't need to watch it. So I didn't watch it for years until literally, again, I'd see it here or there even afterwards, just kind of bits and pieces. Finally watched it completely from beginning to end, assembly cut last month. Like when my, my rewatch of binges, finally watched the whole thing and then was like, whoa, I really like that. It was way better than I was expecting. And then I, I, I told the guys before the show, I listened to you guys' podcast with the guy who, who assembled the assembly cut. And that was really cool to listen to. So yeah, my, 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 my main thing with, with this is kind of started with Predator. You know, AVP kind of brought me back in and then kind of, you know, here or there. I saw AVP Requiem with my wife on, around Christmas. That was fun. We both had a hoot watching that in the theater. <laughs> In fact, I think, Eric, this is why I brought up the Alien Covenant show that you guys did for a couple of years ago. I think one of you guys said that, I think it was you, Eric, that this is not someone you bring a date to. I was like, oh, that's weird because my wife and I went on the see Covenant together as a, like a, one of those dinner date, like, you know, those dinner theater places. We went to see Covenant in that. And it was so, I remember my wife got a little tipsy and we were watching it and we were just like laughing and had a good time. And That's I liked, the best I liked way Covenant. to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's okay. Covenant? Covenant's not tipsy worthy. It's okay. It's, yeah, whatever. I think it would get better with alcohol. <laughs> well, well, whatever. It, yeah. I like Covenant fine. I, for me, it's whatever. But yeah, I, so I've watched all the films and, you know, I always meant to get into the comics more, but just never got into them. But uh, just really quickly to kind of wrap it all up, I was telling Aaron the other day, it was I was just kind of found out about the new Predator game, Hunting Grounds. I had no idea it was even coming out. And I remember it was Aaron's live streams of the game that kind of got me to buy the game. So I want to make sure if, if, if the people are listening, it's this show is responsible for me purchasing the game straight up. Like I had no idea. And I, and I had read reviews. And I was like, I don't know. And then just watching Aaron and knowing a hardcore Predator fan, you know, going playing the game and enjoying it was like, OK. And then seeing him play and go through, I'm like, you know. I like this game. So I purchased it. And through all of that, I started buy- I started going through all the movies again. I bought a bunch of them on 4K and just, you know, like a Prometheus and stuff. And I bought a bunch of comics. It just, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It just got it going back into the fandom. So always been a fan. I've always wanted to get deeper into the fandoms, but I just never had a you know, chance to and kind of have a chance now. And then ironically enough, this Marvel announcement happens, which I happen to be a giant Marvel fan. So it's really, really crazy. But yeah, I, I love these these characters and these these, these settings and, and, and Predator and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive even deeper into all this stuff. Well, it should be an interesting one because I feel like there's there's a lot of stuff to come from this announcement mm-hmm. and it's funny because it, it's a lot of emotions as well i mean me and adam were talking yesterday or the day before on messenger about the whole thing and i sent him a gif of the scene from anchorman when uh, ron burgundy's trapped inside <laughs> yeah. the uh, the phone booth i'm in a glass cage of emotion and that kind of how i feel about this one because if you if you seriously don't know what's happened, it's been announced that Marvel's got the licenses to do Alien, Predator, and Alien versus Predator comics. And I guess we all kind of expected this when Disney brought it. I don't know if we ex. Well, initially we did. Initially we expected it, but for the fact that they had kind of left Dark Horse to do their thing for a couple of years, we were like, oh well, maybe Alien and Predator are not important enough of a property for them to want to directly 
handle. So maybe they'll just let it go. But this is the first, like, again, like I was telling you guys, this is the biggest news we've had in the franchises since the films. It's it's a massive shift for the expanded universe because Dark Horse for more than 30 years has, has done these comics and not all of them have been fantastic. Some of them have been absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, this is going to be a big, big change and it'll be interesting to discuss it. I think the thing to remember here as well is that we don't necessarily know the technicalities of all the legalities of these things. So yeah, it's it's normally a case of, as I understand it, they would have had to have waited for the license to be up for renewal. So mm. that would have probably been why nothing happened, you know, immediately after the purchase. Right. I mean, I personally sort of always expected it just because of how they handled Star Wars anyway, mm-hmm. which is unfair. <laughs> I feel like it's unfair as fuck for Dark Horse because that's two, two gut punches. You could tell in their in their announcement they were a little salty about it. I mean, they were being as diplomatic as possible, but they, I think they, yeah. they are not happy campers about it. But the thing as well is the the original Alien series is arguably the reason why these tie-ins are taken seriously nowadays, or at least more seriously than they were. You know, so not only did that catapult Dark Horse into a great deal of success, you know, it sort of it changed how creators and publishers viewed viewed tie-ins. So, you know, it's it's a big piece of alien comic tie-in history mm-hmm. to be yanked away from from dark horse yeah, i mean like look at that shelf behind you that's like a full one like two shelves well maybe one and a half, oh i've got it it's even but, but that that's just that's just the collection the, the yeah that's yeah, just and the, the hard covers. wow that's the recent singles to uh, recent trades to have come out. The crossovers with DC, the essentials that they've just started republishing, which I guess they won't be finishing now. That sucks. I was so like, I even threw that in the video, Aaron. If you notice that little bit I did of the AVP Essentials Volume Two, yeah, where I said I hope they can finish anything that they've started, and then I show Essentials Volume Two because, oh, man, that would suck if they weren't able to release Essentials Two for Alien Predator and AVP. That that's the kicker at the minute, isn't it? Because they haven't said if they're going to be finishing off what they've started. Now, again, my understanding is that they've got the license until the end of the year, literally the thirty first of December. So they should be able to put out what whatever until then. Obviously, it's made a bit more complicated with the COVID situation shutting down the you know the comic printers until I think they've only just started back up. Is that right, Paul? I mean, at least in terms of Marvel. Yeah, they're 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 starting to come out now, but everything got pushed back. And like I was telling you guys before that they're, they even Marvel and DC both, and I'm not sure about image, but another and dark horse, but they started doing digital only for some of these comics they announced as digital and print. So they, they released everything digitally, but then they also have these print comics, but then they decided to discontinue some of these, these print comics, but then keep them going as digital only. Boo to that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I'm not as cute into the comic scene as you are, Paul, but I've heard there's been some drama with the whole Diamond releasing and yeah. stuff like that. That's uh, DC. So DC, so Diamond Distributor is like this, basically it's a monopoly. And I know um, maybe that's a controversial thing for me to say, but I've, my comic store guy I've, I had gone to for years had always hated the fact that Diamond was the main only thing he could order from basically for all his books. Diamond distributed all the physical physical comics for everybody. And finally, DC said, 
nope, we're done. We're doing it all ourselves because you, you cut out the middleman. There's a lot more you can do. And I'm very curious what it's going to mean for pricing for physical physical comics later on. Will that even mean less physical media for DC in the future? I don't know. I mean, it's a game changer. And I've seen people in the business, like, a, again, I'll bring up Rob Liefeld. He's a very polarizing character and understand that everyone loves, loves Rob. I kind of in the in the middle. I both like him and I don't agree with everything he says. And I don't think he's a ter- terrible artist. And he, yes, he can't draw feet. I agree. But anyway, he said they'll be back. He said DC will be back. He lives for this industry and he knows it. Again, not everyone agrees with them. As soon as it happened, he said they'll be back. DC cool. will be back with Diamond. So there's a right now the industry is in a really really weird place. And I think that with COVID shutting down a lot, all these comic book stores, there's a lot that is riding on, you know, what's going to happen to our specialty stores because the digital only is where obviously everything media wise is going. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the movie theaters now too. It's right. just with a lot of tension right? with these different industries. Yeah. And so I think that you're seeing, I think maybe some of the unfairness and some of the things that people were putting up with before, they're starting to go away now. With all these industries, right? Like, look, look at the movie theaters. They're saying, you know, we want this, we want that. You know, Universal's like, no, we're going to do same day, di- you know, digital for, you know, and, and movie theaters are like, no, you're not. And so you have them fighting. You've, it, there's so much going on. And COVID has been a game changer for a lot of different reasons. But the comic industry is interesting. I mean, it's, there's, there's a diamond definitely, I, in my opinion, knowing the industry, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm a super expert of like knowing the ins and outs of how much everything is and all that jazz, but it is, they are the only middleman basically that they can go to. There's nothing that these comic book stores can order from other than diamond. They're the distributors. And so if they're the only company then it's not a monopoly, but it's just by proxy, right? So what do you do? And I think that now that that DC did this, this could open the door for different things. What that could be bad, that could be good. I have no idea right now. And that's why I even said it kind of came to my head, like that could mean less physical media for DC comics. Maybe not. I don't know. It's just an it's possible because maybe DC doesn't want to spend the money to distribute all these comics because not many people are going to them and these comic stores are starting to close now and that's who are pretty much buying these physical comics these single issues anyway the trades are different it seems like what i understand the physical trades sell better than the single issues but the single issues are what drive these comic book stores and they're keeping them you know or whatever but even those are starting to kind of dwindle down as you see now marvel is now like oh okay because they shut down these printing presses we gotta release these digitally because we don't want to get material out there for people to buy we gotta keep comics you know, going. So it's really fascinating right now what they're doing. And I think that as we all know, nothing's going to be the same now after COVID. Everything is now is going to be changed. And how much physical media will be these companies we putting out, we don't know. And and what that could be. I mean, I know there was a big crossover event for Marvel called Empire. And uh, I wasn't going to read it, but it was this big galactic, like, you know, cosmic event. And they're canceling these tie-in issues. Because of COVID, they're like, just canceling it. Like, nope, nope, just chopping it off because they just, there's so much out there. They don't want to oversaturate their own market, I'm assuming. And also they don't want to have to put out this stuff and not sell. So I think there's a lot chewing away from the fat, if you will, right now, and just protecting their, their, their assets they're putting out now in every way they can. So it's, it's a weird time. 
for everything, especially the comic book industry. And yeah. now that things are starting to finally reopen, it hopefully will get better. But yeah, the diamond is, is no longer, as of right now, DC is no longer working with them. But we'll, that could change. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it changed either. So we'll Interesting. see. I kind of want to circle back real quick because Aaron, I feel like out of all of us, you've probably dived into the Dark Horse comics more than more than any of us. So, I mean, where where's where are you at in this glass cage of emotion? Like, <laughs> like how are you feeling about all this? The loyalist side of me is disappointed. Loyalist. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they have been our source of one of our constant sources of, of, of expanded universe adventures for 30 fucking years. Yeah. You know, it's like I said earlier, you know, not just the alien, but in tie-in in in general you know they had such a huge impact on and yes some of it's been shit you know Herc Mondo <laughs> love sick uh, deadliest of species vomit rescue that was fucking um oh, what was his name guy who did days of future past for x-men chris chris claremont chris claremont really yeah. wow that was that he was deadliest fucking... of the species uh, yeah, well, pretty, that's one of the sure. ones I have still never read because hmm. I just I heard so much bad things about it that I I just never got around to reading it. Yeah, Chris Claremont wrote it. Wow, and it's dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, Dark Horse two thumbs up. <laughs> and and yes, Rescue was was awful recently as well. But I mean, they've also done some cracking stuff. I mean, I know you don't like it, Eric, but you're in the min- in the minority here. But Labyrinth. You know, um, destroying angels, AVP, Nightmare the Asylum. original series, Nightmare Asylum. Most recently, you know, the last six years or so has been generally Dead, really good Dead as Orbit. well. Dead Dust Orbit, to Dust. Dust to Dust, and the first half of Defiance. The Predator Hunter series has been fucking phenomenal as well. So, you know, I, the last six years have been like a, a second golden age. I mean, we missed out hmm. on that on that period, you know, from Aliens coming out to sort of Resurrection coming out, where it was just alien and predator all the time you know it was a golden age and then it died down for a little bit and then we came back over the last six years and it's, it's been great it's been great to experience that to be able to go to the shops and pick up singles instead of hunting for trades and singles in boxes and stuff you know i've, I've been getting it in my poll list so that's cool i'm genuinely disappointed for dark horse and for the fact that i they've been entertaining me so well greatly and marvel's an unknown quantity in this situation so mm. it's that uncertainty that's gives me a bit of pause in terms of the news. I mean, you've seen a lot of the reactionary stuff of, of this announcement of people being like, oh, it's going to be kiddified. It's going to be no blood. It's going to be nothing but crossovers and all Ugh. that kind of stuff, which is probably completely off the fucking mark. And I'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this. There's plenty of examples of Marvel being fucking brutal. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, you know, I'm sure that we'll talk about that in a bit as well. But I, I'm I'm off and off, you know, I'm sad Dark Horse is going. Yeah. But on the other side, you know, Marvel's a fucking powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize how big they were. I actually looked it up because I figured Marvel and DC were like neck and neck. But no, DC's, no, Marvel, DC's no. a distant second. Um, oh, yeah. And then Dark Horse's numbers is like, damn there. And, yeah. and that's what I was telling Aaron. I was like, yeah, it, it's super bittersweet because I feel like we're losing or Dark Horse is losing this and we're losing it too. Right as it's peaking, like you said, we're in the middle of the second golden age and now it's just, it's going away. You know, we got this year. Hopefully they can finish up everything. At the same time, I have to realize that this is really interesting stuff because 
Marvel is just such a big company. I mean, you just go to Twitter. Like Dark Horse is about 500,000 followers and Marvel's like almost 10 million. So regardless of how the stories end up, I hope they're great. They're going to get into the hands of a lot more readers just because it's Marvel. That's that's just a simple fact. So it is interesting in that regard because this is the first hands-on move that Marvel's parent company, Disney, has really made regarding the franchises, which shows us that they consider them to be valuable. So that that's uh, a really interesting thing. And it makes us wonder what else this means for the expanded universe, as well as any films that could potentially come in the future. I think that's a long ways off. I think Disney, with their acquisition of Fox, these are some unique properties in that they're popular science fiction, but at the same time, they are typically adult and typically violent in their tones. So how do they navigate this? But I know Dark Horse loved this property. I know they're probably pissed about this, just like they were Star Wars. But they still have some big stuff, especially in the video game world. I think they need to do more with Halo. Oh, God, yeah. They just got Cyberpunk, which is probably going to be one of the biggest games this year, if not this generation. So I, I feel like they could get some real use out of that. I think they're, I don't know, I need to look up Dark Horse and where exactly they are in terms of market share with comic companies. So oh, it's, it's very low down. So. Yeah, I would say Image is probably more than them oh yeah yeah image is number three i would say i'd be very curious where, where they're at compared yeah. to like boom. they're not in the top five so they're it's, top it's five. marvel dc image and then idw yeah I did. let's okay. see yeesh uh, i did a tracking thing for um cause I got, well i've been meaning to do it for a long time but i got bored um okay dark from home. dark horse in 2019 was number five so and they only had a dollar market share of 3.19% and a unit share of 2.33%. So they are fucking tiny compared to Marvel Comics at a 44.72% unit share. So yeah, I mean, we have to recognize that fact. This is going to elevate the profile of these properties. It just Absolutely. is. Mm -hmm. So, Well, let me just bring up this fucking little spreadsheet that I was doing. Get on the spreadsheets. Actually, I would if it had saved. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I spent ages doing this when, when I was bored one day. I'd been trying to track like the, the sales of the, the comics over the last six, seven years, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and individually, they tended to go for about 6,000 units per issue, per single. That's not a lot, especially compared to some of the... Including uh, online sales, digital? No, no, no that's yeah. just through Diamond uh, Distribution. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not bringing this up to slight Dark Horse. I have Dark Horse t-shirts. Like, I've been a loyal fan of the company. Mm -hmm. I've, I've always yeah. been more into science fiction than I have superhero stuff. But I mean, when I, when I was younger, I was really into Spider-Man and X-Men. So I've, I've always kind of dabbled in it, I guess. Like, I've just started playing the Spider-Man video game, and I think that's really cool. So I've, I've always been... I've never been a superhero fan, but I've always been like interested in it and I've enjoyed a lot of the media from it. And I think this is going to be another thing like Star Wars, right? Like Marvel is doing Star Wars comics. Star Wars is its own universe that has nothing to do with the Marvel superhero side of things. At the same time, with the teaser images we got from, uh, what was the artist again? Who did oh, the, David Finch. David Finch, that's right. Yeah. Beautiful. Both, both of them. Mm, definitely this was brought to my attention with the alien piece but it, it seems like it's teasing guardians of the galaxy with the walkman on mm -hmm. the the seat in the spaceship and the predator one is a little more obviously teasing like he's on top of a vendor's building with what looks to be a head of a robotic iron man drone oh, man. so yeah that that makes me wonder and i hope this isn't the case if the characters are just going to be incorporated into the marvel universe which i, I would not pure marketing want. i hope it's like it was before with dark horse like we did get crossovers 
occasionally. Like like you said, we had Batman versus Predator, and those are really good comics. And Green Lantern, as well as Superman, Superman as well as uh, there's been some others like Judge Dredd, Vampirella. Yes. So there have been a number of crossovers, and I think that could work pretty well in the Marvel Universe. At the same time, it needs to be grounded in its own universe and not incorporated into the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise or whatever. So well, I, can I, I, I just feel want like... To point- this out you might remember on um was it infinity wars or Endgame? you had pete parker literally saying to iron man do you remember that old movie yeah. aliens yeah so there's no way they even can no no i i don't think they would ever do that especially not in the movies no way i'm just thinking only in the comic side of things should we, should we start with the continuity concern then? Because I think that's what a lot of people are worried about is is whether, you know, the new the new run on the Marvel is going to be a restart. I mean, they did it with Star Wars, which caused a fucking uproar, if I do remember rightly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they they said they were going to be building on, on well, earlier that, that's, characters. That's what I'm getting to, yeah. yeah. While, while it sort of feels like the precedence is set from, from their handling of Star Wars, you know, these are completely different properties. Yeah. Star Wars is light years ahead of Alien and Predator. You know, it makes much more money and, and you know, it's, it's a much bigger franchise. But they specifically called out, you know, in the press release, at least Mar- uh, when they published it on Marvel's website, the IGN announcement was trash, but IGN's always trash <laughs> tell us how you really feel i love it i love the shade <laughs> we all know that i mean no alien fan likes ign after the um isolation review the isolation yeah. review yeah <laughs> with the marvel announcement as well because ign didn't even fucking say evp they just said alien and predator which i gotta say i gotta say i was super relieved about because oh god yeah me too it is hard going as an evp fan these days because there's not a lot like i feel like formerly Fox, now 20th Century Studios, was really focused on Alien and Predator, and they haven't been focused on AVP for a while until we got the comic that started last year, Thicker Than Blood, which so far has been pretty interesting, and I really hope the comic finishes, I'm sure it will this year. But that was the first standalone AVP thing we've had in a long, long time. So for them to mention that as well was good to see. Well, Marvel said that the new series would feature new and classical characters from Earth and beyond to explore never before seen corners of both the alien and predator universes and it also whether they mean comic characters or film characters they say classic characters so i'd imagine they mean probably both to be honest in my opinion so they, they say later on in this in this press release you know marvel's new stories will draw from all these properties building on decades of multimedia storytelling so it's that point there you know the multimedia storytelling that sort of says that it's not going to be just confined to the confined to the films they also mentioned re-releases and compilations as well yeah down, down the line which i think yeah. they did with star wars as well paul is yes that right? yeah that is correct which is again we can get that is a See, I got so much I got to burst out of here. I don't want to talk too much. But yeah, there is a lot to talk about with these reprint ideas and whatnot. So when we get to when we get to the, the meat, the more of the meat of uh, Marvel, how the work, the the properties, we'll, I'll, I'll dive into that that kind of stuff. But uh, I, don't want, I don't want Eric hasn't really talked much. So I don't want to start going because I'll start yeah, going how, and stop. How are you feeling about this, Eric? I mean, you're not as big a comic fan, are you, these days? Yeah, it was mainly in my, my primary school days. I was really getting comics. And then, interesting enough, when the Aliens comic came out in the UK, that's when I got back into them. I don't mind who prints the paper as long as the writing and art is <laughs> yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that's right. the crux of it at the end there of the day. Are, I know Dark Horse is being praised as this mighty god, but there have been a hell of a lot of daft stories that they've done as well. 
as good ones. Mm-hmm. As long as Marvel gets the right people, they you know they've got the money, they've got the connections. As long as they do that, two thumbs up. That's what we're all hoping for because they can do it. But I think we've got to address the gorilla in the room, which is we know they've done it with at least their superhero continuity. And I, from what I've heard, some degree of the Star Wars, they do have a reputation for injecting, you know identity politics into it often to the detriment of the stories which is not like representing a character who happens to be xyz whatever it is but they define them by that quirk sometimes it's ironically a stereotype of whatever they're trying to do and you know the people they're trying to get to buy the comics they're often offended at how they've done it as long as they don't do that they just concentrate and with it being science fiction there's a bigger chance of that because it's more out there in space or whatever as long as they just concentrate on doing good stories fantastic if that opens it up more to you know what marvel is capable of doing fantastic if they go down the route of you know what was it called new warriors safe space and snowflake people are you know the people who've grown up. I, I with don't Dark think they're gonna. Horse, yeah, go let's with hope that. they don't. But I, I those do of us think who've grown always... up with Dark Horse comics and the maturity level of those comics, where a lot of them are going to table flip if they start. I, I do think comics have always included a level of social commentary. It just goes to Absolutely. how it's handled, including mm-hmm. the, the Alien series. And I think there's definitely a, a place for that. And if there are some connections to real world politics, again, yeah, it's I'm how not, it's how gracefully it's handled. The story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like Tristan Jones said on Twitter, you know, uh, Tristan did the artwork for half of Aliens Defiance and seemed to have quite a hand in the storytelling as well. That was when that comic was good. You know, he said that, let me find the exact quote. Yeah, it was, a, it, it was a good quote. It made me fucking laugh. He was like, all of you worried about Alien getting woke, it's never been asleep or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. We need, we need the exact one. because. All right, just... find the quote. I love seeing all the commentary from people terrified that Alien and Predator will go woke now that they're at Marvel. Have they not seen any of the Alien films? Alien was never fucking asleep. And yeah, yeah, very very much so. Yeah. But it, it is like Eric says, you know, there, there is a, a handling to it as well. And I feel like Dark Horse has been doing a really good job of that as of late in terms yeah, of representation zero. and diversity in their yeah. comics. Like, I feel like they've they've handled it really nicely, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I, and I'm, I'm not really cued into the Marvel that. side of things these days. I've Again, I've never been a big Marvel comics reader, but I have heard that complaint among uh, a lot of the, um, I guess you would say, more veteran fan base that they feel that the stories are trying to be a little too mainstream. But I don't know. I'm sure that's a whole big can of worms. Yeah, that is a whole thing, isn't it? That's a whole thing. Yeah. I'll just say this. I am a longtime reader of, of Marvel comics and I don't see... I don't have as much m- many problems as a lot of other people are about it. And everyone's different. But for me, like Miles Morales is one of the best comic book oh, characters. Miles, like, yeah. Yeah, he, Miles is freaking amazing. And you could argue that, you know, minority, whatever. I don't, whatever. I don't, I, I just, you could argue anything with art. You know what I mean? It's all interpretation and whatever. And for me, their representation is so important in, in comics and in media and anything. And what they've done, what Marvel has done is tried to, you know, inject some of that. I think, and some of that people don't like it because some of it doesn't feel organic. And that's their their, their opinion. And let them have their opinions. I've liked a lot of the stuff they've kind of done, like the female Thor, Jane Foster Thor. That, that was a really good storyline. 
Miles Morales is a fantastic character. But that came that was all before I think this kind of more yeah that that was back in two thousand yeah weren't it? Yeah. and that was but that also came from a lot of Brian Bendis and Danny Glover uh, what's his name Donald not Danny Glover Donald Glover he was uh he had talked about a long time ago about he wanted to audition for Peter Parker and and Bendis used that as other things to bring in a Miles Morales character that was the, kind of the inspiration and again Miles is now is one of the biggest you know superheroes in the, in the universe and it's great rightfully so he's a fantastic character for me it's i don't i never thought i never saw it as a problem myself but i could understand where some people might they don't like the fact that it's like so intentional but but either way i I haven't had as much issues with it i will say the new warriors announcement politics aside just the art looked terrible to me and i just i did not have there's one character that i liked and it was it was the morbius vampire connected one that i liked but that other than that the, the art was not my thing that's just the art the design's not my thing that again politics aside but whatever but yeah th- for me the Mar- the marvel them coming to marvel is is a whole different Predator and Alien, I think, are going to be. There's a lot of different ways you can handle this, this whole these properties. And if you bring the Star Wars route, they didn't really. All they basically did was Lucasfilm, and this is where it's different than I think than an Alien and Predator is that Lucasfilm is an independently owned or it's a subsidized company of Disney that runs Star Wars, right? So it's not like it's. Whereas you have Alien and Predator, they're coming from a the same studio. There's no one company like a Lucasfilm that does only Star Wars, and that's it. So you're saying 20th Century Studios does doesn't really have much autonomy from Disney anymore. I don't I don't know. And this is where I'm kind of going to get into because Lucasfilm has they have a story group that is dedicated to organizing the continuities of all these things. So everything, quote unquote, is canon that comes out. That was and that's been something that we've been all the comics. There's still been a lot of behind the scenes rumors like, oh, you hear Bob Iger is unhappy with with some of the decisions of Kathleen Kennedy and like, no, just rumor, not rumor. I just think that it's you whatever it's. The the whole the, I'll just say this the recent rumor of the reboot of the sequel trilogy I just that, uh, yeah I yeah. pretty much thought that wasn't that yeah wasn't I get going, that but, they yeah. put too many references in things like Rebels to the sequel trilogy to just say we're going to shut it down and then there'd be no guarantee yeah. to whether they replace I, I don't it buy, would be any better so I don't I don't buy that rumor at all but again you see with some of the movies that that Disney has made like the firings of their directors the massive reshoots yeah. like there's yeah. there has been some drama and I can't well, imagine that true. someone higher up like bob Iger might be like hey we need to get some things in order here no, but totally. what i'm trying to say though is like that star wars how about this when they were transitioned into disney and marvel they were running their show like they had a company and people that were dedicated to running these fr- this this specific huge franchise right so lucasfilm you know has control of the games and all this stuff and and whatever and that's what their jobs are their job was to run star wars whose job is to run the aliens and predator franchises right now I don't know. Nobody now. Exactly. And so this is where it gets interesting. Well, what was the case with Marvel? Like when Marvel was acquired by Disney, whose job was it to... Well, that's the thing. The, the people who are running Marvel that were still in charge, but they like for like Ike Perlmutter. So it gets it gets even more complicated than that because Ike Perlmutter, when they sold to Disney, he became a he was still ahead of Marvel. Thank God, Ike Perlmutter. Perlmutter, Perlmutter excuse me, I can't <laughs> talk. By the way, for people who don't know me, I will mispronounce things, mumble, and say things unclearly. So I apologize in advance. So Ike Perlmutter, he was the one running with Avi Arad, were running Marvel for, in his their company. They they were toy they were toy biz and they. They bought Marvel when they were like going to crash and they bought them low and they sold very high, obviously. And then they stayed on to run Marvel. 
And then that's why you had the faction between Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter back in the day when you had TV and uh, movies kind of separated. Back when Daredevil was happening, there everything was connected. Well, Ike Perlmutter and Kevin Feige started not getting along. And there was, uh, for instance, like in Iron Man 3, Shane Black, you guys know who Shane Black is. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Shane Black, there was going to be, the villain was supposed to be a, a female. And oh. and yes, uh-huh. and the, the the rumor is, and I say rumor, but I'm pretty sure it's fact. Ike Perlmutter vetoed it because girl toys don't sell. I'd heard oh, about yeah. That's what wasn't that yeah. what prevented a Black Widow b- movie being exactly. Or... And then Kevin was not happy, and Ike also did, wasn't in favor of a Black Panther movie. And so and yeah, that one went gangbusters. Yeah. So th- this is, and again, I, I'm pretty sure Ike was, he vetoed, he was not into that either. That one, I maybe, maybe not be 100% on, but I'm pretty sure I knew it was the female. He didn't like female action figures. They don't sell. He had, who was it going to be originally then the female? I don't, I don't remember. I think they're just going to have that character that, that um, Guy Pierce was going to be this a female, but they still had it in a female villain in the movie, obviously. That was that extremist. Did that thing. lead into the whole Mandarin? in confusion or was that on purpose or i think that was that was a shane black thing i think that they they wanted to do but the reason i bring that up though is because kevin feige also wanted to do civil war and that almost got vetoed because ike did not want to pay robert denny jr a bunch of money (laughs) so you have these two entities or this one company being run by ike perlmutter and kevin feige who's making just hand over fist all this money for disney you can't get along with this guy he goes to alan horn head of all the you know the disney high up who does all the, like their movie stuff again i don't know his exact title my friend sean who i do podcast with for marvel he knows all that stuff that's more his thing but basically goes to alan horn and says it's either him or me i'll i'll walk if you don't let me get independence from ike and he goes done. So they separated Marvel Studios, <laughs> separated from Marvel Company, essentially. So Kevin only answers to, uh, excuse me, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his name already. The guy I just mentioned, but basically he answers to to Bob. So basically, Kevin has complete freedom, and then obviously from that from that separation, he civil war, all that stuff, all is on Kevin. So Bob so, does not really. He's probably much more interested in the movies than he is the comic side of things yeah of course and now if you guys heard the rumors now ike perlmutter retired and is now kevin now runs all of marvel hmm. so now so, so you're answering kind of i'm sorry a long-winded way of answering your question ike initially ike perlmutter was running marvel when he sold to disney he still ran things that was his contingents like gotcha. he wanted to be still making that money and he made a you know what he's just a control freak there's so many reports of he's also known as the most cheapest guy around so he was just a tyrant and then finally, Kevin stood up to him, got separation, and then now has been pretty much pushed out of Marvel. And do so a lot it, of fans like yourself, are you happy with that? Because that was a pretty recent thing, right? Like, Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, right now, Ike, the editors still had, were in charge of Marvel and doing their thing. But you know, Ike still had, you know, he'd come in and go, why are we doing this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I would say I'm happy. I mean, I'm very curious what Kevin's going to do. I think Kevin's smart enough to let well enough alone and just kind of let the writers and the editors do their thing. And, you know, there's still an editor in chief, C.B. Uh, Sabuski. Yeah, he's the one on your guys' uh, this this um, report here, or the press release. He's the one still running the show from the comic perspective. So 
Marvel still, you know, now that Kevin's in charge of Marvel, you know, he's kind of, you know, over basically the comics. There's an article that if you read from the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, either one, it kind of talks about how the comics are. They're not exactly this giant moneymaker, right? They look to it as like an R&D department. For the film stories. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you make some money off of it and it's great. And I think that's a genius way of looking at it because the genius of Kevin Feige, and again, I'm not trying to go into a big Marvel Studios thing here. I apologize. The genius of Kevin Feige, in my opinion, is that he takes, he doesn't just take one story and goes, I'm going to adapt the story and inject things I want to do and into it. No, no. He takes multiple ideas and storylines, puts them together, weaves it and makes a fantastic pop culture movie or a pop movie for people to love. Like Winter Soldier is not a verbatim you know, adaptation of the original comic. It's heavily, heavily used, but he takes different things. He adds, you know, he puts Falcon as a main player, does this, he does that. I mean, Falcon's in that story, but he's not a main player. You see what I'm saying? Like he takes things and he adapts it and changes things a little bit. He knows what to cherry pick and it's it's great. So well, it's like doing a second draft of a movie yeah, script. You yeah, get yeah. yeah. So that's who's running Marvel. So when Disney was bit, uh, bought by Marvel, they already had. Remember, Avengers had, was just already being was already being, being worked on and being filmed when they made this purchase. So they had already been like multiple films in with the MCU. So Disney saw that going was getting good and said, "Let's take it now." They took it now and they just kind of reaped the benefits from that. So Marvel is still running Marvel. When Lucasfilm was purchased, same kind of thing because again, this is all my Star Wars and Marvel knowledge, guys. And so basically, George Lucas already put Kathleen Kennedy in charge of Lucasfilm before the sale. It was in preparation. Apparently, according to Bob Iger's book, Kathleen had no idea George was selling to Disney. Mm. But, he, but George wanted someone he could trust in that position, which later backfired because Kathleen had <laughs> what Bob wanted. And that, now you have rumors that it, there's kind of a growing tension between yeah. uh, Favreau and Kennedy. Because yeah. Favreau okay. has had massive success with The Mandalorian. Right. Like I know opinions, and we won't get too into this, but opinions on the sequel trilogy are pretty divisive after I The Force agree. Awakens. I would agree. The Mandalorian, I feel, Star Wars would be in a much worse place without it right now. Absolutely. I feel I like... The last year, the popularity of that kind of eclipsed uh, the rise of Skywalker. Absolutely. I mean, more people were into and talking about the Mandalorian in in my view uh, from what I've seen. So that'll be interesting to see going forward if it it becomes a similar type situation as you had with Feige and Mutter, kind of shifting to Star Wars with Kennedy and Favreau. The thing with, with Kathleen Kennedy is that she again her this whole politics and all the rumors aside or whatever she has done a, i think a, a good job i think in my opinion has it been perfect no but there's been the movies have been i think predominantly better or been good than bad full disclosure I'm not a, i'm not a last jedi a huge last jedi fan so just you know that's just me but that being said all the movies still made billions of dollars and look at this now i mean star wars could very well be a big part of bringing people back to the theaters once they reopen and covid yeah. is is gone i mean let's be real i mean they need ips now more than ever to get people back in the theater because they're not going to go see an indie film to get to get sick you know people might consider black widow to kind of brave it out there for the first time to see black widow to see a movie i'm looking forward to in dune i mean these big tentpole films are, are going to get people back into the theater not these smaller films so 
even more than ever, these IPs that, that like Star Wars, even though they're struggling, I think, at the box office to an extent to where Rise of Skywalker didn't make two billion. It made only one billion. Oh, boo hoo. Still made a billion. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's still exactly. big. I was I was worried. I, I love Rise of Skywalker too, by the way. That's my favorite Disney film, but that's a different story, different story. Going back to the the transition between Disney and, and Marvel and Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm, it was already in charge of Kathleen by Kathleen Kennedy. So when they the sale happened to Disney, she just they just kind of worked on things and got things kind of you know leveled off to where this is where we're, where we're gonna go and this is where we're going forward. And they had a plan and they went a plan, quote unquote, because the sequel trilogy wasn't exactly planned. <laughs> but they had a business plan of what to do and what they wanted to kind of structurally do. And I think she did a I think she did a smart move by saying, make everything canon. So when she said that, that's when you got the re the whole Dark Horse comic book back catalog got rebooted because yeah. we are all wondering what happens to these comics. You know, what happens to the universe? Well, she, is- she went she went further than that. She made the bizarre statement of saying we've never had any books and comics. And yeah, that was like if you don't if you don't want to if you want to throw it out because it's too bloated, that's fine. But don't deny right. they existed. Yeah. So all all Marvel Star Wars comics are considered canon. Right? That is correct. That okay. is correct. Unless they have the Legends banner. Now the reason why she said that though is, is and also this is where it's unfair that the people criticize her because again I'm not I'm not the biggest Kathleen Kennedy fan to be honest, but I'm not. I'm not a hater either because she was referencing the Game of Thrones when that was because she said, you know, we aren't like Game of Thrones and have like a, a map of where we're going. And that's what she was saying. From a narrative standpoint, she was right. They threw out the treatments of George Lucas, which was a mistake, in my opinion. But they were not going from a structure standpoint of like, oh, we'll just do this and just adapt it. That's not what they were doing. She was referencing adapting a specific storyline and like what they were doing, or at least had a map of George R. R. Martin's map. That's what she was referencing Game of Thrones. I understand where people got... It was really just a bad PR line. I agree. Wasn't wasn't worded the best. And I agree that she should have been more respectful of that. But the stuff that, that came before, there's no way they could have used in a in a canon capacity because it all blood. You know, as you guys will probably know from Aliens or Predator comics, all blends in together, and it gets when they use stuff, it gets retconned or whatever. You can't use it. There's a, there's a great Star Wars novel called Darth Plagueis, and everyone, you know, that that was our people said that was probably had the most involvement of Lucas in a long time, and that was written by James Lucino, and that book is phenomenal. It's great. And it probably has a lot of connections from George on it that or has a, little, a lot of those uh, uh, things from that. But you can never make that canon because there's so many EU references to, that are not canon anymore. So you can't make that canon. So my point is, you, there was nothing she was saying. There's nothing verbatim that they could adapt. That's like straight up. They were creating something new as they went along and they didn't have anything they could reference and say, oh, we already have the outline. It's right here. Yeah. You know, whatever. So, well, as. Someone who was a big Star Wars fan growing up, I really do appreciate that they've continued to reprint the Legends Absolutely, side yeah. of things. I think that's great. Right. And so what what I'm trying to say is that both Marvel and DC or Marvel DC, Marvel and Lucasfilm, they have they had this kind of overhead that kind of led them on to where Disney all they had to do was kind of say, "Okay, do your thing. We're going to sit back here and do nothing." 
you know, or, you know what I mean? Like this kind of do your thing. We'll just kind of, we'll hover in the background. And what I think is fascinating about these, a the AVP franchises and everything that they've now inherited. My question was, because the first thing this happened, I thought, because again, I love, I love these, these franchises. I said, will Disney sell them? Because that's the first that's what I thought, thought too. Yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought they would maybe sell them to Universal. I know Blumhouse had ex expressed interest mm -hmm. in Alien. Exactly. Uh, that was my initial thought. I was like, well, Disney's not going to go with Alien. I mean, it's it's uh, R-rated property and they're concerned about their brand. But um, my view was Disney are nothing if not about merchandising. An Alien Predator, even if you don't release any films, the merchandising yeah. is just going to be so lucrative. It's got Disney's written all over that. But Disney has an interesting relationship with Alien. I know before the podcast, oh, yes. Paul, I had mentioned the Disney parks. The former head of Disney, Michael Eisner, actually really wanted an alien attraction in Walt Disney World. But the Imagineers were horrified because they're like, well, th this is an R-rated property. We can't put this in the Magic Kingdom. You're insane. And so they actually brought in George Lucas to convince him to do an original idea called the Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. And that was an attraction there, which I fucking loved as a kid. But parents complained it was way too scary. So it only lasted for, for so long. Wow. But the Xenomorph actually did end up in a Disney park in Walt Which Disney led World. led to the famous Ridley Scott quote. Yeah, uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, they did this ride called the uh, the Great Movie Ride, which kind of, it was like a journey through movie history. And one of the scenes was you go into the Nostromo and there's a Ripley animatronic and there's a couple Xenomorphs that pop out at you. But yeah, the, the alien has been in a Disney park. Mm. So it is kind of interesting now that they've made a move, I guess, with Marvel. And it makes me wonder, like, could we see Alien in Disneyland again? <laughs> Probably not but i would love that oh i think that <laughs> no you went on do you remember that it was a fox thing but it was like um it was a virtual reality thing you went in recently yeah, yeah i'm, I'm working can, on a retrospective article for that right now it's called I can alien see, descent yeah i can see disney doing something like that one of their theme parks yeah. they, they've already done it with with star wars there's a actually utah-based company called the void and they did a star wars attraction that's at downtown disney in anaheim I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's gotten pretty rave reviews. So I, I want to try that myself next time I'm there. I think you've also got to remember that it's important not to think of Alien and Predator as Disney properties anyway, because they're still yeah. under the 20th century banner. Yeah, I, I do believe that if they did release another Alien or Predator film, it would be 20th Century Studios. Sure. Of they, course, right. I'm not going to see Just the Disney like castle. And, yeah. And all the so, yeah. Well, it, it, that's what I'm wondering with Marvel too, because you, we still have Marvel Max, right? Mm -hmm. One of you guys had mentioned that the other day. Again, I'm not sure where, which one was writing to me at the time, but... It would have been made out, right? Oh, okay. All right, sorry. All right. So you had mentioned Marvel Max, and it's very interesting you bring that up because I'm trying to think, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but they haven't released anything on Marvel Max in a long time. And the what last year... Last year. Was it last year? Okay, because I don't, I don't even remember. Like, because I don't see anything. You know, I, I haven't seen much. The last thing I remember was Miracle Man, which, by the way, is phenomenal. If you guys haven't read Miracle Man, Miracle Man is incredible, and it's written by Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman. So oh, go read yeah. it. It's 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 phenomenal. That's it's, some fucking pedigree there. Oh yeah. In fact, that was the first thing. I think Ellen helped Neil get into the business through Miracle Man, and Miracle Man was pre Watchmen, and it's also it's superhero based, but it's basically the same idea deconstructing the ideas of superheroes and it's phenomenal like go on it's on comicsology go get it it's worth it it famously didn't get completed and marvel bringing back marvel again marvel had bought the character long story they had bought finding the rights to print these comics that were out of print and neil are you guys familiar with the uh, 1602 uh, Marvel comic at all? Like where it's like pirates and stuff like that. 
uh, Neil Gaiman. I've uh, seen it. I've not read it. Yeah, but yeah. That was made for Neil to basically pay for lawyers to fight Todd McFarlane <laughs> to get the rights to Miracle Man back. And then, or basically, and then Marvel eventually, or something like that. And then basically Marvel bought the character outright, finally started reprinting the comics like four or five years ago after more legal stuff happening. And Neil, and this is all adult comics, Neil finally was going to complete the story and they keep pushing the comic back, but that's going to be an adult comic. Like that's, you know, kind of like in the vein of Predator and Alien. And I don't, I think it's under the Marvel Max line still, but I haven't seen, there hasn't been much. But again, I, I haven't read a ton of Alien and Predator comics, but what's interesting, I just started reading all these before, like it's very serendipitous of me to start reading all these comics right beforehand, right? And I read Earth War, which I fucking love, by the way. It's phenomenal. I really loved it. Only one in the world. But what, <laughs> what, you know, it's, it's whatever it's yeah, called. It's, it's was what, yeah. it the one Am with Ripley? In? No one likes that. No, no one. No, likes a that. lot of people don't like the artwork in that one specifically. Dude, okay, Sam Keith's artwork isn't great. It doesn't fit. But other than that, I I think the story's phenomenal. I, I it's my sequel. That's my Alien Three. Uh, sorry. Um, you should I, check I out the the Alien Three alternate screenplay comic they released yeah, last I year. Yeah, yeah, that was I good. Haven't, haven't read it yet. Really quick, I want to ask you guys. I have the audio drama and I have the comic. Which one should I do first? The comic and then listen to the audio drama. Okay, cool. All right, because I have I had the audio opinion. one. I've been needing to, re- to listen to it for a long time. But anyway, yeah, the, the Marvel Max line, when I was reading these Dark Horse comics, I was like, oh, yeah, because they say shit and they have lots of blood and whatever. And, I'm, and then when Marvel basically beat out, we, I was like, man how's Marvel going to publish these? Because there's lots of swearing in them and they're very gory. And I started thinking to myself, you know, in that press release, they mentioned they're going to reprint these comics. They, they, they go out and say that like, Hey, you're reprinting. We're going to reprint these old stories. I went, okay, well, that's not going to make predator and aliens fans happy if they start censoring the stuff. Right? Like that's not going to make any of us. No, that, that will go down very poorly. Nobody likes censorship. So first thing I thought of is I, you guys are all familiar with Conan the Barbarian, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, recently Marvel just acquired weirdly, which I don't know why, but years ago they used to publish, they used to license all kinds of stuff, comics like Conan, Star Wars, whatever. And then they, they lost the license or the whatever. And then, then Dark Horse printed it. And then sadly they got the license back or from Dark Horse because Dark Horse is struggling now, I guess now. So anyway, Marvel started publishing Conan comics and I'm like, that's weird. Why would Disney let Marvel publish Conan the barbarian comics because they don't own the property that they're just licensing it so i thought that was very interesting so i again not a conan fan really and i remember this all kind of made me remind me of that and so i said okay i went to marvel unlimited which those who don't know is that's basically the netflix subscription to marvel comics and it's amazing i love it so i went to go look at conan comics to get an idea of what might marvel do with a more violent character like conan the barbarian right well Conan the Barbarian is not on their comic subscription service at all. And what's also interesting is that he's been integrated in the Marvel Universe as well with Savage Avengers. Savage Avengers is not on Marvel Unlimited as well. Mm. And I, I went to Twitter. I was, went to the online, obviously. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not looking right. And I looked on and other people said, no, they can't find it. And someone said it might be a license issue. Well, I got a hold of the comics and somehow, I'll just say that, and I looked through them, very violent, very sexualized. And more so than, in my opinion, maybe my interpretation, maybe this is not, I'm more of a prude than most people, most people, I don't know, but it seemed more so than any other Marvel comic that I had read. Did it have the Marvel branding rather than yes. the Max branding? Oh. 
it now max is 12 plus i believe oh okay so yeah that's that's what i was wondering about is because the the teaser images we see i mean they wouldn't have this decided yet but they say marvel like alien and predator have the marvel branding exactly so i think that's going to be one of the biggest questions that fans have is is this going to maintain a adult tone with the marvel branding and if it does that that's an interesting kind of i guess opening up that disney's doing in that regard yeah Um, go for it yeah i mean i often bring up Hellraiser, which is notoriously gory film. Yeah. And mm. we've talked about before that Disney for a while had even the rights to the Hellraiser films back in. And now I was just checking up on this on Wikipedia. This started between 89 and 92. So this went way back and then it went from 92 to 94. There was a company called Epic Comics, which were an imprint of Marvel yep. Comics, and they yep. did the Hellraiser comics. And those were very, very, very adult in nature, often sexual themes as well as just full-on mutilation. They were, people don't know that, an imprint is um, an imprint of a publisher is a trade name under which it publishes a work. So like with Miramax and Disney for certain films, that was what Marvel Comics used to do Hellraiser comics with. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that as well as some of the stuff that's been, I know Aaron, you showed us some images from very recently Punisher stuff. You can actually track this going way back into 1989. Marvel was doing this with comics, very, very adult-rated stuff. And Hellraiser is about as horror-themed as you can get, especially the comics, because they actually went more so than the films, bizarrely enough. And again, I have not dove into the full range of Aliens and Predator comics that that I'd like to. I haven't read the recent ones, and I'm excited to go through and binge this stuff and listen to you guys' reviews of them and whatnot. But... I will say they're not like, I don't think they're Marvel Max material either. Some of them get pretty fucked up. Like, no, sure. You're right. You can attest to this, Aaron, right? Like, but but I I guess what I'm trying to say is that not all of them are because I've read, I went through the first first omnibus of of aliens and I went through the first two omnibuses of the predator from dark horse. And there's definitely violence and there's swearing and whatnot, but they're not completely like not all of them are over over the top. I know there's some that are out there probably there, you know, whatever. But I guess my thing is there's three options they could go with here with Marvel. There's a Marvel max line, but you got to remember what kind of market are you're limiting your market completely with these characters if you make it a max title? Because that means the teenagers are not going to be able to readily buy it immediately, right? Like the, the audience you're going for may, may not even be able to know exist because of the limitations you have with marketing this this these comics. The second thing it would be is creating another imprint or having a your Marvel title with it, but not having it completely associated with the Marvel branding of characters. Funny enough, they do that with David Finch right off the bat with having Guardians of the Galaxy and with Iron Man, which I didn't even know the Guardians of the Galaxy reference. I just saw Alien and went, oh, Alien looks beautiful. And I didn't even notice the Walkman. But then you also could, you know, just throw it and and make, you know, make it tame it down a little bit and have it be towards the Marvel subscription thing. Because that's the thing you got to look at. Because right now, the the Conan comics that are, I told you, that are are a lot more violent than the, the regular Marvel comics anyway, that I looked at. And Marvel does get weird. I mean, let's let's be real. If you haven't read Immortal Hulk, then you guys don't know. Like, it's it gets bonkers, man, and it's weird. It gets violent, and it, it it's it's not just kidified. It's it's aimed at an adult audience, and it's not like again, it's not like R rated where you have like you know maybe naked women flying out of yeah, you know it's whatever. It's not like 
crossed or whatever. Yeah. Um, Aaron, so the, the images you showed me that were pretty messed up from the Punisher, is that the Max line or is that? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's, that's the Max stuff. Yeah. I do think that's going to be a bit of a balancing act because if you do make it mainstream and sacrifice the adult tone, you're going to make a number of fans unhappy. And we've already been through this with the first AVP film as well. Yeah, it was PG-13. A lot of fans were pissed. They made the next one rated R. And literally slammed it in the title. More people. Here's my thing, though. Go look at that. Find somewhere to to look at that first Conan trade. Go look at images from the new Marvel. It's not on Comixology. It's it's not Comixology Unlimited. So if you just look through that, I think you can sign up for free. So if you guys want to kind of test it out, look at that first Conan graphic novel. I look at that and say, he's chopping off people's heads. I mean, like there's, it's a violent thing. I'm not sure what more you'd want from that, from, from aliens, as far as like, you know, people's heads chop it off and body parts flying, all that jazz. That's what we want. We want that violent tone to still be possible and intact for the integrity of the storylines. Correct. So I think it can all be there and not be a Marvel Max line. Cause I think there's, there is a happy medium of PG-13 you know, the AVP movie, man, that's a, I like that movie, by the way, but there's, you definitely could have made it more violent and have it still be PG-13. How about that? You can still do a lot with PG-13 and with not having it be completely R-rated. Because what makes an R-rated film? Excessive amounts of blood? Well, what if it's just excessive, excessive amounts of alien and predator blood? They, they would have they would have got away with it if it was creepy. Exactly. I think I think that's the that's the issue, I think, more than anything. I mean, right? this I mean, goes to the core also of what they're going to do with Deadpool because they have announced yeah. he's going to be in the MCU. Did, didn't one of the directors say we'd be making the third movie already if it wasn't for Disney with Deadpool? I think Ryan Reynolds said that i thought oh that's right yeah maybe it was him and you know i think disney doesn't know again they're probably finding their footing with with this kind of stuff because deadpool is is very profitable and that is also something that's a marvel comic that's adult well yeah and And, and deadpool is not marvel max either right it's just marvel now i'm remembering i think there is some deadpool adult comics now but not really before that's the whole weird thing about deadpool he's always been a pg-13 character and then people are trying to act like when the R-rated came out, like, oh, he's an R-rated character. He has to be R-rated. I'm like, no, he really doesn't. Like, you could do Deadpool PG-13 very, very easily. You eliminate some F-words and maybe some of the lewd, like, sexual stuff a little bit, and you have Deadpool. That, that's, but they that's tried Deadpool doing that. The I mean, they, they tried re-releasing a cut of Deadpool 2 that was PG-13, and it flopped. Yeah. But again, like there are people had already seen the films. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. But here's the thing, too. They went for we went for a hard R again, I think for for I think a novelty aesthetic for Deadpool, in my opinion. Again, that's my I, I, I own the first appearance of Deadpool. I've read a bunch of Deadpool comics. I like Deadpool. He's a little oversaturated right now. Not really. It's kind of, I need a break from him. But you can listen to my show. Uh, I, I've said this should not have been R rated. You could have made this PG-13 and, and all the jokes could have been in there for the most part. I mean, my opinion, except for the sex joke, the big sex, uh, whatever scene where they're, they're banging on every holiday or whatever it is, uh, which is funny, by the way, I will say. But that aside, I mean, like you could have made that movie PG-13 and it'd probably be even more successful. And I think there's there's a there's a balance. And I think that for me and again, this is where I think I'll be controversy and maybe you guys will disagree with me. I think you can make an AV or a, a predator and an alien film PG-13 
as long as the story's good. No, see, I, I but, disagree. See, I, I think Fan, the fans going to riot, man. I'm telling you. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> if sure you make would, a PG-13 I've, alien movie, fans going to riot. That's not going to be good. I've said many times before, the most disturbing scene in Alien is not Kane's death. It's Lambert, and virtually all that is off screen. I think so long as the writing was good, and it would have yes. to be very good, I think good. there are creative ways of going about where you don't have to do show full. I mean, Aliens, there is gore in it. There is blood. You see a chest burster, but there's relatively little. Yeah. yeah, that's looked upon as like probably just as good as Alien, if not in many people's mind more so. I think the R rating is just part of the series identity at this point. And like, I would, and that, I, feel I, would like I, that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, I would take point. Yes, I think you could do it if you're creative. But even even Lambert's thing, even though we don't see it and it's sort of open to interpretations, you know, it's a very sexualized route that people tend to go down for her death. Mm. Yeah, but you could release it under a low. It doesn't have to be an adult. Like if the film that was the only, if it wasn't for Kane's death, you had a film released with Lambert's death. You could have got away with that with a much lower age rating. That's all about suggestion. Mm. I don't think so. I think R rating also comes down to tone a bit too. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I would agree with that to an extent. Yeah, it's not just content. I mean, I'm not sure how all the intricacies of the MPAA work, but I think tone is part of it. Yeah, we need to invite someone on from there. <laughs> that, that'd be amazing. Well, because think about this: aliens. Like, what in what in aliens is R-rated besides F-words? Think about it. You can edit out F-words. That that is a complete creative. You know, what's the word I'm you, looking for? You guys don't have that fucking middle ground. That's your problem. I mean, o- over here. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Over here, when we got the director's cut of Alien, it was released as a 15, whereas originally it had been an 18. So, you know, sensibilities had changed. And and pretty much all of them since have been 15s, apart from... No, AVP even. AVP, I think, was actually a 15. Yeah, that wow. didn't come out as a 12 for us. Yeah, you guys have a different rating system entirely. So, yeah, yeah, we, we, we mm-hmm. have that nice, tidy middle ground that you Americans don't. At the same time, Paul, it sounds like you can get away with more in a mainstream comic than you can in a PG-13 film. And that that I would agree with. And that's where I'm saying that I think that may not be as jarring as you think the transition than than what you guys are thinking about. I think as far as like tone and, and that kind of stuff, I wouldn't worry about that, in my opinion. Because I think if you're worried about tone, look at the Conan the Barbarian comics, go read Immortal Hulk. It's amazing. Like, trust me, like, you won't regret it. You'll be like, this is incredible. Lots of really cool stuff. But like, to me, this is, again, what I wanted to kind of talk about with you guys as well was the creative side as far as I think the talent that Marvel can bring. Now, you brought up, Adam, the idea of, you know, that Marvel is the king. It is the king of comics. Now, I am an old school punk rocker. I want to say right now, and I don't love corporations completely. And I know that corporations are bad sometimes and I just don't like big business completely you know and i love things like dark horse comics that are independent creative and don't have this thing of like we have to make we have to move this many units and if you don't you're gone kind of a mentality there's more of an artistic freedom obviously with dark horse and i think that you can't downplay that and i want to make that very clear that that's one thing about dark horse that i've always appreciated going from the star wars we talked about george lucas he, when he had the license at dark horse for star wars george had let the writers have a lot of freedom you know within reason of course, to do what they wanted. That was that's the artist in George and Dark Horse, the same thing. Like they let there's some bonkers stories in Dark Horse Star Wars comics. And it's like there's bonkers stories in Dark Horse, Aliens and Predator comics. So 
there are going to be some sacrifices, I think, as far as like the zaniness and, and the really out there concepts to an extent. Now, that being said, Marvel, we talked about before the, that article that I referenced about Kevin Feige and whatnot, that they use the comics as an R&D almost at this point, at this point, to kind of see what what is working with an audience? What is gelling with these people? What are people liking in the comic industry? Because it is kind of a microcosm of a greater mainstream audience. Not completely, but to an extent. Yeah. That being said, there is a lot more freedom and you can get away with a lot more things, like you said, Adam, than in a comic book than you can in a PG-13, maybe R-rated film. It just, it just really depends. Now, with that being said, I think what Marvel can bring these franchises, and I think, curious if you'd agree, is that brings them on a level that Dark Horse never could. From a marketing standpoint, I think that these comics are going to be marketed a little bit better. And let's be real, comics are not marketed great in general, but a little bit better than, than the Dark Horse comics. There's a marketing aspect of this that's going to be out there and people, it's going to be more welcoming and they're going to recognize. And I think, in my opinion, the type of talent that Marvel will be able to bring these titles is giant because one of the things that I, as a reader of Star Wars comics, is that they have, you know, obviously Marvel has a lot of, you know, people they use on a regular basis or have exclusive contracts with. Even though I don't know if this guy would be great for a Aliens or Predator comic, but I love Charles Soule. This guy pretty much only written for Marvel. And when they got Star Wars, he started a couple of years later doing a phenomenal Darth Vader comic book. That's one of my favorite Darth Vader. I've Star heard the new Vader comics are really great. Volume two, whole thing, incredible. Incredible. And I'm sorry, just it, the art too, phenomenal. And I, I didn't think the art was going to be good, to be honest, at first, or at least fit the character. And I was, I was wrong. But the thing with Marvel is they're going to have... I'm not saying Dark Horse doesn't have talent, but Marvel has access to the top talent. They can throw the money at the people that are going to get people to read the AVP comics that maybe wouldn't pick it up normally. Like, let's say this is me just throwing out names. Are you guys familiar with a Jonathan Hickman? Uh -uh. Jonathan Hickman wrote, he's relaunching X-Men right now. He's not an exclusive Marvel uh, writer, but he's mainly worked with Marvel and he, he's done his own image work. He did East of West, if you're familiar with that. He's not my favorite writer, but he's a really good writer. And he is tailor-made for Alien, in my opinion. He's really complex, long stories, great ideas. And to me, if you put John the Hickman on an Alien comic, the comic industry would blow up. And you put him with David Finch, one of the top comic artists that put out those, that, that would be, that blows my mind right now. That would be top comic news right off the bat, just because of John the Hickman's name alone. That kind of stuff that Marvel has access to and the money to throw at these creatives to get you. I mean, I, I know right now, Brian Wood is writing the aliens comics you know and he's worked with marvel they, they took him off after yeah. some accusations last year well, yeah, yeah. that was the same guy i want to make sure but then that's the kind of guys that are writing the comics for for dark horse and he's that's one i mean there's there's a whole variety and oh, right, right, right. But my yeah point, so i mean talent, the, my opinion one of the main things i'm wondering too is I mean, Dark Horse has rebooted their own continuity a number of times right. with with Alien and Predator. And that, that's always been kind of a um, question I've had with these franchises. It's like, do you allow for self-contained stories in the expanded universe? And even in some cases in, in your main films, like might have been done with, with Blomkamp's Alien 5 had it been made. Or do you have everything fit together perfectly? Do you have a story group and make sure everything yeah. fits as canon? And I feel like with Alien, just the format alone works better if you allow writers to kind of do their own thing a bit now and that's the question with marvel are they 
going to allow that? Or is there going to be story coordination? Like every story needs to be canon within the expanded universe or even within the main alien universe now. I don't know. So that'll be an interesting question going forward. People don't realize that that is what they were doing with Alien and Predator over the last six years anyway. There, there, there was a separation between theatrical and everything else, but that everything else, you know, that that was being sort of looked at as an over, you know, overarching continuity. You might not necessarily think that because we still got lots of individual series, as you know, we, we had Dust to Dust, we had Dead Orbit, you know, those sit on their own and some of the books do as well. Yeah, but they would still fit. They just don't all reference each other. Yeah, exactly. But they also still had this overarching multimedia plan, which, you know, encompassed the books, it encompassed the comics and the new the new game, the new Cold Iron game. Yeah, what the, what the hell is going to happen with that? <laughs> well, I mean, the com- the comic was cancelled, so that'll be all in the Titan book now, that tie-in, which, again, begs the question, like, I don't think Disney's as, as nearly involved with novel publishing as they are comic publishing, like with well, Star Wars and stuff, so... Well, and again, the comic publishing is only because they own a comic book company, but they don't run it like, again... Like I said, Marvel has their people. They let Marvel, like Pixar, all these companies, they run their own things. Disney just is from the background. And when they start losing money or they start making bad decisions, that's when the, the Bob they start and, wagging their fingers. Yeah, they yeah. start whack, you know, whacking people <laughs> off. I don't think people realize just how, how much autonomy these other brands have. And I don't think they realize that they have a lot of these other brands, you know, because... When Disney was talking about buying it, the concern was, oh, it's going to be kiddified, it's going to be princesses. But no, they've always had their own separate outlets to put out the stuff. Disney put out fucking Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Miramax. Yeah. Well, Miramax, they, they don't want to make money. Make They're films gonna... anymore, do they? I think Disney's well, not anymore. Yeah. No, but they've they've got century, twentieth century studios to fill in that niche now. Exactly. People need to stop, and it's the same with the comics. People need to stop this high level reaction of Disney mm-hmm. equals kiddie. I think we need and to wait and see if if it feels like the content is not to the same adult level as it was before. I think you're right, Paul. It doesn't need to be there for the sake of it. You don't need to make it hard R for the sake of being hard R. But yeah, if, the, if if the story calls for that if the integrity of of what the writers want to tell call for that and and the lenient marvel say. prohibits yes. that i think you have a problem because dark horse has not prohibited that but the po- the point is that there are examples of this stuff being out under their banner without yeah. being mm-hmm. taken, but you see which the is what reason about. why there's this overreaction people need to realize it's because disney has been so good at covering the tracks of their family mm, brand they separate yeah. them there is only this they must make it a disney princess thing the reason they don't look at the bulk of that stuff is because they have no idea it's disney yeah. it's like it, mm-hmm. it's like being a cgi artist you your, do see a lot best of best work will never be seen it's, at the same time you you do see a lot of hardcore again bringing it back you see hardcore star wars fans and hardcore marvel fans that are like it was better before disney took it yeah and that's their opinion but that's a small minority because i think because what's weird here's the thing when Star Wars was bought by Disney, there was a very there was a very loyal. It wasn't as big though. It was big, but like the people that were buying the books and those people that were upset when they retconned everything, that was still a, a small portion of people. But since the reboot, there's a massive plethora of people that are reading the books now that weren't before. That's true. And you want to know yeah. why? It's because they rebooted everything and they made it more friendly for people to jump on these books. And that's the purpose of these reboots. It's not just to piss people off and say, we don't care about these stories anymore. They're trying to get new people into them, you know, because to be I- honest, yeah, the, to me, this whole thing was leading up to 20th century 
obviously leading up to them doing more with, with these franchises. Like this yeah. is the first big thing to drop. We talked about that before. And you have Avatar, you have X-Men yeah. and yeah. Fantastic Four. So. Yeah, to me, this is this is them working with what they've got in a small way. Again, it's comics, it's small. And talking about the continuity and everything, that is like a whole like podcast series you could talk about, you know, as far as what you do, as far as do you make it all connected? I think at this exact moment, and my question to you guys is, what is the most profitable to you? Or what do you think is the most profitable? Whether your preference well, doesn't matter. What is the most profitable? I think because- you have to, this goes to the question of by trying to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no, to no one. So yeah. I feel like it's a balancing act. I feel like they have to maintain the integrity of the stories and they have to please the hardcore, longtime loyal fans. At the same time, I feel like they can market it in, in a way and write new interesting stories in a way that you will attract new readers. One doesn't have to be at the expense of the other. And well, I feel right. like sometimes it is. Okay, okay. so here's, let me explain this bit, or ask this a little bit better. Would you want them Let's, let's assume that this Marvel announcement, whenever they write this new stories, are going to be a new continuity, right? And let's say, because I was telling the guys from the Perfect Organism, I'm, I'm like, to me, in my opinion, if I were if I was 20th century, I'd be like, we're rebooting the whole damn thing. Meaning, just like Star Wars, you're going to say, these things are canon. Anything that's not this before is not canon. Not saying these stories aren't good, not going to reprint them and sell them and, and all that stuff. But you're going to say, going forward... We're going to be all connected or whatever. These are things are going to be the connected tissues and or you'd be very specific exactly and you'd be consistent with that. And again, I don't know if it's more profitable for them to make all the video games and the comics and the books like Star Wars canon with the films or live action. I don't know. But to me, that's what I would do. I would yeah. just do a full on reboot because the problem is there's no jumping on point for these new people that are vaguely familiar I mean, with the you, franchise. You could, you could, as long as they stay faithful to the universe that the the films have created, Alien, Predator, and, and AVP. At the same time, again, Dark Horse has rebooted their own continuity a number of times. So not yeah. everything with that fits Before together. Happy, happy. So I feel like... Kind of like, I don't think it should be as clearly defined as Star Wars. You should not have, Mm. oh, this is Dark Horse Aliens Legends, and this is new Marvel Aliens and Predator comics. You should have it so they, if they want to continue on an older Dark Horse story that they like, that's popular, that resonated with audiences, they can do that. But they don't have to say like, oh, everything is Dark Horse uh, is canon. We're going to build upon that. They can be like, oh, you liked this Dark Horse story? Well, maybe we'll continue that as long as it fits in line with the films. So I feel like they can kind of, they don't have to, define it like they did with star wars with legends and new canon they can just choose what they want to build upon with dark horse hmm. that, that would be how i would i would do it at the, at the end of the day we're in a completely different level of continuity and, and background i mean the very mm-hmm. first fucking alien comics were already wiped out by the first film which then led exactly. to a, a, yep. a dirty um retcon anyway i say dirty in terms of how well it was cleaned up to fit in with right, right. Talking about as well um, Wilkes and Wilkes and Billy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but then you yeah. still had reference to things like uh, Vasquez and Drake and Hudson and, and stuff. I like never that. explained Ripley. Uh, yeah, in the comics, she was never explained. So it's the thing with people getting themselves wound up over these comics because they never really had a very tidy continuity in the first huh. place. Cohesion. And I think that's okay. Like, look at the original screenplay comics. Those are great. They have nothing to do with the, the rest of the Dark Horse continuity. So it, it's it's nearly, a, it's nearly a non-point, to be honest, if they do reboot mm. the, the continuity. Because aside from the multimedia campaign following Isolation... And Cold Iron. Well, that was all tied into that. 
So that was right. all in. So that that that, w- that would be the only potential victim of a reboot because that cold irons would tie into Echo, and that was also supposed to tie in with Rescue and all that kind of. Yeah, but stuff. since that comic was cancelled, I think the only thing they have to worry about is Titan's book. And as far as we know, Titan's not going anywhere. So no. So it, it it's it's kind of a moot point you know pe- people were complaining about Noguchi and, and Deshaun Day and Paul Church and all that and it's like well nothing's been done with them for years yeah. Machiko's storyline was purposefully wrapped up 10 years ago yeah just because and, and theoretically just because if they do reboot the um the continuity they're not going anywhere they're still going to be reprinted because Marvel still wants to make money Canon is such a frustrating it is concept Absolutely. because ultimately mm-hmm. it means fuck all yeah to me <laughs> I, i'm all for just look have your head canon right pick the stories you like and go with no those. right that's what i do it so, well, so to re- the reason i bring that up though is because i think that you want to because for me as a fan i want because I come at it a little differently than you guys, I think, because I, I want to, I like to immerse myself in whatever I love. Looks like you guys do. And I like it to all be cohesive because I like to know the novel that I read also is in line with the comic that I'm reading. That's just me. And that's just me. Not everyone's like that. And, I, and there's no right or wrong. Trust me. If they made a concerted effort to do it, Right. I think that that would be fine. That the problem was with Alien and, and Predator. It was it's never really been like that, mm-hmm. as I yeah. said, until the last six years when they actually had a story. Well, not necessarily a story group in in name, but in function. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they had a story group at Fox doing it. 20th century needs to have, and maybe they do, they just haven't announced it yet. I, you guys will probably already know about it though, honestly, if they did, but they need to have someone like, like just like how DC has Kevin, uh, whatever his name is, uh, the guy who he's running DC films now, um, who was running, he was part of, um, James Wan's, uh, horror. He's a producer on the, on his horror movies. And now he's pretty much running the film side of the DC, uh, EU. Now, what they need is someone who's in charge of the AVP franchises, all that stuff, and at least or a group of people, like a story group that's either in charge of the films or just the whole franchises in general. And at least knowing and trying to get behind. Here's the thing. This is lucrative. This is still a lucrative. These are still things that can make money. The fact that they didn't sell them, like I thought they might, because I'm like, well, if they don't know, if they don't think they're that lucrative, they'll probably sell them. But they're not. Like they're putting out comics. Now we're starting to see the they're iconic. They're iconic characters, and they know it. Regardless of some of the missteps of the films and and the eyes of a lot of people, they still resonate with people. Exactly. So I, to me, I think that this is where they need to go. Okay, they need to have someone in charge because I. Listen, I'm all for giving people creative license and like giving and having the most creative, best voices on any story, whether it be comic book, novel, audiobook, whatever it is. I want people to have freedom to tell their stories. But when the, these commercial properties and that we love, there needs to be like you kind of said, Adam, there needs to be like, you know, tone wise, it needs to be it needs to be something that's in line with the fans, what they want to see. Yeah. Can't please everyone, of course, but you at least can understand where, where you're going in the audience. You have to understand the audience. And I think that's why I think they need to have people in charge of at least like looking over the stories and saying, this is good. This is good. Approving them 
them and keeping that continuity in base because the more I think, in my opinion, you make it all inclusive and you actually stick to that and you have successful things like maybe a successful novel or a successful comic or video game. People will go, oh, I really like that. And you can advertise or they know, oh, there's comics about this too. I'll go back to read the comics and you know, oh, they reference this video game that I love. Cool. I mean, eventually these films or in my opinion, these Hulu series that, that Predator and Aliens is like tailor made for. And yeah. right now, as we know, Predator and Alien are not really coming off of the greatest theater. No, uh, no, they are not. Know. And so to me... I was telling the guys yesterday, AVP should be, that should be like the new reboot. That should be like the next thing they they, they put out. Is a new it's, Alien versus Predator. It's do one, yeah. It's do it's one. Do one. And kind of going back to the, the violence thing a little bit, the Marvel sh- series, like the Punisher, like Daredevil, oh, they're, Daredevil, they're yeah. pretty adult, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, yeah. like they're, the Daredevil comic is like, a, is a you know, read the new Daredevil comic. Like he's flying out the window, all bloodied up. And, you know, it's Marvel Comics is not doing like kidified things. Things. Again, no. read a mortal hole. It's awareness, isn't it? Exactly. People need exactly. to be aware of, of stuff rather than making the, the knee-jerk reactions. Yeah. And Aaron, you and, you and I were really surprised one of the few alien novels not to be published by Titan in, in recent memory. Echo was the first alien book marketed specifically as a young adult novel. And we had a very knee-jerk reaction to that at first too. Like, oh, Alien's going to be Twilight now? Like what? But no, it was really good. And it, it had some violence and stuff. So... But again, I mean, even even that's just knee jerk, just from the word young adult. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've got a fucking uh, Hunger Games is young adult. Yeah, it's fucking. It's it's about twelve kids getting together to slaughter each other. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was Battle Royale. Um, I fucking love that film, by the way. And yeah, that's a great movie. I, the first, the first, I, I haven't seen the other ones, but I, I like the first one a lot. But the young adult thing is funny too because I, as a Star Wars fan, I don't read books, man. Like I, just, I just don't. Like I'm not a, I'm a comic book guy. I'm a, I'm a film and comic book guy. Like that's just, me, that's just me. And when Star Wars, you know, when I started getting into Star Wars again, and they started doing the relaunches of all these new books, I saw the same thing you guys did, young adult. You're like, ugh, you know, what does that mean, right, young adult? And I just kind of go, uh, and it's called Lost Stars, and it's aimed at a young audience for, or younger audience for sure. But I'll be damned. It's probably the best Star Wars novel that come out, like, you know, since the new canon got released. And yes, it has, it's not perfect, but it's definitely the most, my favorite one, one of them. And it's a new ma- a manga comic series too. That's fan- it's fantastic. And so like, we talked about creative choices and whatnot. You can do a lot with a little, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a matter of the creative choices and the tone. And like you said, Adam, like the, you know, the tone is, is huge. And I don't think R-rated always is the same tone. I mean, R-rated is just like excessive amounts of things that like are, need to be censored, but tone isn't always censored. You don't have to, you, you, you don't have to censor tone necessarily. Necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have creepy dark tone in a PG-13 film or a young adult novel or a, a Marvel comic that's not aimed at X-rated or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have that it's stuff. It's not there. explicit. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about Lambert's death. It strikes to the core of when you were saying earlier about you need um, when you're doing a cohesive, overarching continuity vetting 
is going to be incredibly important exactly. when you come to do that. Mm-hmm. We started back when Fire and Stone came out. That was meant to be this big renewed push by Dark Horse to do an overarching continuity. And right off the bat, you had things like the Deacon from Prometheus turning into a geological landmass. No reason. It was just that <laughs> WTF. And you had, you know, people in Hadley's Hope in Aliens being all slaughtered and killed. When you looked at the film, it was, you know, they have all their surgically implanted trackers. You knew they'd all been impregnated. They weren't necessarily paying attention to what had gone before or even, I'm sure, whatever the hell that Deacon storyline, I assume it was originally meant to be going somewhere, but it never actually did. So you got to vet the right kind of talent. That's now, all you would know is, yeah, yeah, is Marvel better at vetting like talent but that's that's the thing though priority the the disconnect between the films and the books and the comics like and that's the thing where i think the again i'll say again having it all in one continuity is is definitely there's pros and cons to any anyone you choose with pros and cons to me having it under one cohesive continuity and having a group of people in charge of the books novels and the comics that's so crucial i mean look at this there's a new star wars series starting out next year called the high republic and it is a book and comic book crossover it's the first of its kind and to me this is something that the avp uh, franchises need to look at and see how successful and how well it's done because they they got these writers and they all put their ideas out there and then now they're they're going to be crossing over the first of its kind, a actual multimedia thing of instead of comic books all crossing over, it's different mediums crossing over. And that's I think Dark Horse has done that with Titan a bit, have they not, Aaron? They've coordinated on on a few stories. Not massively. I mean, yeah, you had the Marines yeah. stationed at Hadley's Hope and stuff like that. Not just connected. These are actually going off of each other. Like one's going into another is going to bleed to another, hmm. maybe different time frames, but they are they are literally answering things that happen from the comics, the books. And now this is going to be a small idea of what everyone wants the films and the comics and the books to do together. They want the film to cross over to the comics. And that's a, that's a harder thing to do. But you get what I'm saying. That's what Star Wars fans, that's what it feels like they're building to is that this is like a smaller idea of that. I think that's what the AVP franchise need to do. They need to have this this set of people who are, their job is only to produce and control and create this AVP content and approve these things and make sure they have some kind of cohesion. So that way, people like us, when we buy this stuff, we're like, man, this is like totally out there. This is not even connected to the Alien Isolation or this Predator comic or Predator uh, Hunting Grounds, whatever. I mean, imagine if you had Hunting Grounds combined with not only a prequel novel that I, I saw that was coming out or had come out, but you had a comic series and you knew that like they're all speaking together and you knew that maybe... Maybe this was tied into a potential film or whatever. I mean, these are all things that I think that people want to have. They want to have ownership of and also feel like it's it's worth all getting together. It, to me, if I buy Alien Isolation game, which I do, I haven't played it yet. It's a need to. It's been on my to play this forever. If I knew there was like comics and books that were all connected with that. And I also knew that the Aliens comics over here also had referenced this that would be referenced in the game or whatever. I'd be like, that's awesome. Like that makes me want to invest in the franchise even more. Instead of just having all isolated or single storylines that are all like not connected. I mean, everyone's preference is different, but that's just for me as a consumer at this point. Well, they were doing both. That is what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's like with the last Predator film. You had the Predator. Now, I didn't really, but I, I know, Aaron, I don't know if you also did, Adam. You did a, a podcast episode where you um, looked at the prequel novel to that. And as I understand it, the prequel novel to the Predator was much more better than better the Predator quality. itself. Yeah, yeah now, they, saying, had, yeah. they had coordination with the people who were working on the film. But I, I'm assuming it wasn't nearly of the same standard of quality because there wasn't one person or a small group of people coordinating it whereas you get now you've got warhammer 40k which is an incredibly mature property they're bringing out a tv series with that but the reason why there is a lot of positive anticipation for that is because you've got dan abnett who incidentally was um Very i think the lead books. writer in alien isolation now he was in charge of the eisenhorn books he, he wrote them and that's what they're being adapted he is writing or partly involved in the writing for the TV show. Now, that's a way to do it. But when you have disparate groups of people, they're coordinating, but they're not working towards like a singular vision. Mm-hmm. It's like when you got on the Terminator Genesis, even within the production team itself of that one film, you had people interviewing them for magazine articles, and you had like the producer was working from a completely different timeline than somebody Oof. else on the production team, and somebody else had a completely different timeline. And especially when you're working in a, within a property that deals with time travel if you're going to have anything <laughs> nailed down it needs to be the timeline yeah you need to have coordinate it's not just people speaking to one another being on the same page you have to have a singular vision for how the entire collective thing is going to fit together and i think that's kind of what's been lacking a bit with alien and predator i mean there's certainly been attempts it's like i said you know the last six years they they attempted to do this at least with alien it's not like i mean we'd all certainly like it at a higher level wouldn't we we'd like a guy who's there saying okay be careful of doing this in your film because they're doing this in the books and be careful yeah, of doing for that. sure but it never it's never ever worked that way with us but I mean, here, here's an Carver, example if I mean, you, we did hear about like a Hulu alien series and you heard about a writer who was mainly good quality. They knew their own stuff, but they haven't necessarily been involved in anything with Alien or Predator. Or we heard about it's Alan Dean Foster who's writing it. Now, if you heard Alan Dean Foster's involved, you're going to have a lot more trust in whoever's giving him the control and that because you know Alan Dean Foster the novels he wrote they just brought you into that he's kind of bathed within the alien verse as it were for literally since the beginning but there is I think that a lot of this skepticism with Disney having alien and predators a lot of people think they don't know how to handle that now I would disagree with that but you do have that kind of you know pre-existing worry that they're going to hire people to deal with it who are not the right choice Yes. And I sure. think once we hear, like you said, but you have the right kind of talent, the correct writers, where you, you mentioned the guy's name earlier, you said, if, if you heard that, the comics industry would be a lie. Alien and Predator, it's that guy, it needs to be him. We need something like that. And before that happens, I think we're going to keep on getting this scepticism, no matter mm-hmm. what Disney do. They could make one single continuity, or they could do individual little things to test it out, test the waters. But until we hear someone who the fandom trusts, there's just going to be this cynicism about it no matter what happens, I think. Among mm. some fans, but like you said, Paul, I do feel like now that it's with Marvel, just from that fact alone, you're going to see a lot of new people entering the fandom. Yes. Um, but Aaron, you were about to say they had, they had tried this before in terms of like the... Yeah. Did you lose your train of thought there? <laughs> 
everybody's been all over the fucking place with this one, so I've lost a lot of train of thoughts. It's a big thing because I think with what Marvel's bringing right now, with what the fact that they're bringing these characters to the Marvel universe in a sense to where Marvel will be producing these these stories, and and like how Eric said, Disney's been so quiet on what they're doing with the properties in general. You know, it's like what we don't know what to expect, and this is the first. This is literally the first thing they've put out i'm assuming besides like if you count hunting grounds as that i don't know but the first actual creative thing that they're doing with these properties and again i think it's a gear up i think they're definitely going up to you know to gearing up to do something i just think they need to they need to have someone or they need to announce something of what what kind of continuity or what kind of connection are they going to have because let's be real here the aliens and predator their own series aside they're going to be bringing them together as avp right aliens versus predator so they're going to have to have some kind of continuity with that of them those two things themselves in the own marvel man. universe at least they all three comic properties at least seem to have a single editor anyway so at, at least on that level there should sure. be some cohesion but i mean we're all asking for you know a story group to come together for this and that and, and we'd all love it i'm sure for every single fucking property that we are fans of we'd love a guiding light up there and we we had that kind of but there's there was the disconnect because because you want you want you try being that bloke telling Ridley Scott he can't fucking do what he wants. <laughs> no, sure, no. But here, here's the difference, though. The difference is that I think now that Disney owns 20th Century, that's I don't think Ridley Scott has that power anymore. Yeah, he's he his essentially they are the the co-partners of the Alien series at the minute is how it stands. Scott Free are it's like Brandywine with the first three films. Mm. I think that is where the relationship is with them at the minute. That's just from my understanding of talking to people. I, I don't know how the how the production if they own a stake in the character and so they have there is something I don't know about that. But I think because of Disney's power. In my opinion, I don't think really with the sale has as much say. I mean, he still has a say, maybe. I don't. I don't know. This is where my knowledge is, is 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 not as good, obviously. But I'm assuming because of the power that Disney has, that they can just do what they want. So if they don't need really Scott. I, I think twenty. That's what I'm trying to say. 20th Century Fox maybe needed Ridley Scott more than Disney does because Disney can do because they're the ones that can say we'll put a couple hundred million into a. Alien, uh, from, alien. from a financial point of view, yeah. But I, I think the, the, the problem is a lot of us don't tend to realise the legalities and the contractual stuff sure, behind stuff that's, like that's this. Good point, I mean, yeah. we, we can be saying, wouldn't it be lovely if, or I don't understand why such and such, but there's stuff going on that, that we don't know about. I mean, I bet the average person out there doesn't know that the people that were shepherding it are gone. You know, as, as far as I know, there is mm. nobody there looking after the franchise at the minute on that level. Now, whether this... This announcement means there's been some change in that. But from what I understand, this has been nine months or something in the making. So a question for you, because you, you have the knowledge. And and I, I really want to know, because as far as ownership of the characters, because Brandywine, again, Guiler and the other guy, I forgot his name. Helen Guiler and Carol. Yeah, they put up, they offered that script, right? To make that Alien 5. And what's interesting is those guys are the ones that pretty much created the movie, right? The, so where are, where's their stake? And how much control do they have creatively? And how much Not control? Do- it's a, it's, it was all scot-free in recent times. But again, who knows if that's going to change with, with what Disney's Studios doing, is yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, I guess my question is, does scot-free own, like, do they always own from now on anything alien related or is it no. only, this, this is where I'm confused about. No, they, they were just brought in to kind of co-finance the, but even, ah, even they didn't have, they didn't have much of a hand in any of the expanded universe stuff. 
but they veto they they ended up they did veto some stuff yeah but but they still weren't very involved in the comics or no right right right. but what Aaron had a good point was like you you know before it's different because you had a Ridley Scott and he didn't trump everything because he's Ridley Scott he's a he's a legend I mean whatever and this and I think it's a great point to bring up because now. You don't really have you could Disney could say, hey, Ridley, we don't need you. See ya. You know, they could say that and they could do something completely different and have those people and put those people into place. And that's the thing. I don't know if they will or not. But again, you know, they inherited a company. So they inherit that company's contracts and licenses and responsibilities. Exactly. And there's yeah. just so much that we don't necessarily truly understand yeah. about how it works. Until worked. the contracts expire, like with Dark Horse, you know. So all those yeah. contracts have an expiration I date. I don't think Disney are going to have any obligation with Ridley Scott unless no. they hire him. I don't, I don't so, think. I don't think Scott Free has has any ownership stake. Over I don't know. Yeah, like, like as of right now, I mean, they might have while Prometheus or while Covenant was being filmed. As of right now, I think it's just a Disney thing. Yep, it's, exactly. it's for Disney's to win or lose with. They can choose right. who to hire. They they have not done any new contracts, as far as we know. I think the comics might be a way of, like you were saying, Paul, of focus testing because a lot of fans were unhappy with Covenant. It did do a bit of a nosedive in the box office after its initial release. So you've had Scott express interest in doing a third prequel film before he wanted to do a whole bunch of them, but I don't think he would get more than three at this point, given the performance of Covenant. So I think Disney's like, okay, well, what do fans want? Do they want another prequel film? Do they want something that was more akin to Alien 5? Or do they want something entirely new and, and different? I feel like they're, they're finding their footing in this franchise and they're yeah. probably going to use Marvel to do that. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, if they're putting out stuff like Labyrinth as a litmus test, <laughs> I ain't going to fucking complain at that. I, I need to read that. Is that the one with uh, Killian Plunkett? The, yes. Oh, the artist? Yes. I, I love Killian Plunkett, by the way. Big, he's big, he's phenomenal. What do you mean if they're putting out stuff like, oh, if they're doing it to the level of Labyrinth, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I need to read that. One of the craziest. I've heard it's crazy. It's I've heard, not, yeah. it's not it's crazy. It's just intense. Uh, it's got, got aliens scenes. trying to have the main character have sex with his mother. No. You've got to think of it as aliens trying to farm hosts. That oh, level think, of intelligence. Just think of it that way. That makes sense. I need to download this immediately. I have it. So I'm downloading it right now. The mother has like. Her limbs have been chopped Ooh, off. It's, it's a fucked up comic. Bizarre. It is a fucked up comic. It's, it's yeah. fucking brilliant. I love. I, I it, love. It's that. one of the ones you either love or you go, okay, not for me. Oh, oh you're it wrong. A, it is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> But I think for me, I, and this is where again, I'm. I, we don't know, and I, I just think with, with these with these IPs that are again mainstream IPs like Alien and Predator, they usually are owned by different companies, right? Like, and that's why it's interesting. I think if you look at history right now, at, at least from the film side, not if you just take away the comics and the books, just the film side. Look at all these. They have someone overseeing as a producer, like the guy I t- mentioned from DC Com or DC EU or, or DC Films, excuse me, from Warner Brothers, the James Wan's uh, par- uh, pr- uh, producer partner, Kevin Suzuhara, is that his name? I forgot his name. You have him, you have Kevin Feige, you've got 
Kathleen Kennedy and her group, you know, whatever, or whoever takes over Star Wars or Lucasfilm will be now overseeing Star Wars creatively and, and helping spearhead that. So you have people in these places in different companies. They don't have a separate company, unfortunately, that can do that at this point besides just 20th Century Studios. So that's my point is like there needs to be someone, at least from the film side, that can say, this is where we're going with this. Because if you operate for independently and let these everyone have free reign, you're going to get this kind of a mess. And I think that's what we've gotten from these films. They've been kind of a mess. I mean, The Predator was a mess. I watched that for the first time for years or whatever because of fear. Because everyone told me it was crap. And I finally watched at, it. At the same time, I feel one of the interesting aspects about the Alien and Predator films is each one, with the exception of the prequels of Alien, has a different director and has a very different tone and a very different feel. I think, and and I know you'll yeah. probably disagree with me on this, Paul, but as far as the Marvel move, movies go, they've made like, what, how many? Like 20-something, right? Yeah. yeah. So each one feels very similar in tone, in my opinion, and maybe I'm unfair in yeah. saying this, but, but it feels like each one is a direct continuation of the other. They all reference each other. And right. Alien has has before, well, even with the prequels, Prometheus is a very different identity than Covenant. And, and I don't know, maybe Disney will never do another Alien or Predator film again. I think they might. With the comics, I, I think that that will allow them to explore different story avenues that they could eventually take the films in. But I, I do worry that I, I feel like Marvel movies work much better with that sort of sequel format than Alien and Predator movies would. If they did make another right. Alien and Predator movie, they would they wouldn't want to pump it out like a franchise. It would be like, yeah, let's plan this out. We'll do one movie. Yeah. And then we'll build upon it with the expanded universe for a while and then we'll do another film. But I do hope they keep it in a sense that each film is new and unique and has its own identity, not contradicting the other parts of the franchise, but at the same sure. time, not feeling like just a direct sequel continuation like you would see in the MCU. No, for the, and for the record, I want to make this, make this very clear. I am. N it's not lost on me that the MCU has a formula. OK, yeah. now now we all would agree that the MCU and AVP are vastly different like franchises. Right. But of course. Now, what I'm trying to say is that there's a formula that Kevin Feige has that's generated at the mainstream audience. And I don't think every Marvel film is the same, but I definitely will agree that there are certain th tones and ideas and formulas within the, the, the traditional script writing of the high action happens in the last act and all that stuff, like with the exception of Infinity War and Endgame which I think are some of the better films, obviously, and Winter Soldier. They take that traditional aspect and a little more different. But obviously, uh, after 22 films, there's a lot of similarities and they're all very tonally the same. And you're right, Adam. Absolutely. I'm never going to argue that. I still like it because I love those characters. I'm there for the characters, not necessarily like the storylines necessarily. Does that make sense? I'm more invested yeah. in the characters. Now, with AVP, I don't think you can do that. And I wouldn't do that. I am exactly like what you said, but you want to have at least have it be some kind of cohesive yeah. universe. And I think I, I can agree with that, but I still I hope that they offer opportunities like we've seen totally. with the the unused screenplay from Dark Horse because they've gone back and they've mined some of these unused stories that mm -hmm. were at one time maybe going to happen never did and now we can see what they might have been and that's been so interesting and and Dark Horse used to do that with Star Wars as well they did three comics of like what if a new hope and empire and return of the jedi went totally differently i can't remember exactly <laughs> what those were called Infin but they were Star Wars and Infinites yeah. yeah they were great uh, comics and so fifth. i would love to allow for room for those kinds of things to continue you could still have a main continuity that that kind sure. of fits together pretty well but i hope it's not to the exclusion of occasionally doing original self-contained stories that might not be part of that continuity sure it's a possible 
problem with doing more of those um, alternative scripts, I've just realized, because how that would have worked was that Fox owned those scripts legally. And I don't know what's happened in terms of the legal side, what's happened to Disney the owns Disney Fox. Would have yeah. They own, yeah, but the they own everything Fox. But, okay. Regardless of the scripts are owned by Even Fox. If they they weren't filled, yep. they, yeah. But um Adam, you know, Mar- Marvel is no stranger to alternate things. I mean, their whole fucking multiverse is based on alternate continuities. Yeah. What if they've, stories? They've yeah. done what ifs, yeah, which is random. Aren't they doing some Marvel TV shows? Yeah, they're doing a what if TV show. Yeah, they're actually doing <laughs> which one, which one is mainstream that? now. What's the what if TV show? I couldn't tell you any specific storylines, but it's it's basically the idea of what if yeah. Such and such happened. Uh, no, but what, 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 Captain America. Contained episode. what property is it? It's everybody. Everyone's oh. involved. Everyone like, in the MCU. Yeah. It's like an alternate Avengers show? Yeah, it, it's like every story is different. Like, so, so every episode will be a different what if story. So like the first one, I think one will deal with what if Captain America or Peggy Carter was Captain America or what if, I think one episode is going to be what if T'Challa was actually the one that, that Yondu picked up and he was Star-Lord. And it's those kinds of things. And that came directly from the comic books. I mean, I love those. Was that recently announced, that show? It was announced last summer. Oh. It's animated. Oh, it's animated. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's another thing I've noticed too, is you, you see that a lot with DC films as well. Like you have the animated DC films and a lot of them are pretty fucking adult as well. I don't know what the animated Marvel side of things is like these days in terms of their films, but it's been interesting that DC has been doing that and it's separate from the films. Like you have the DCEU films and then, then they make a movie like Joker. Now they're making Robert Pattinson's Batman. That's not part of the DCEU. And it seems like DC's a little more open to that than maybe Marvel would be, but now that you're telling me this show idea, maybe I'm wrong on that. So again, I think it's awareness of what they actually do. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with Marvel, it's a deliberate what if this happened with DC. It's more like, oh well, we, that film didn't perform well. We'll change that character or whatever. It, it's not a deliberate thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this is a huge thing, and fans, including us, are going to have complex feelings about it. And like you said, Aaron, I feel like there's going to be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of the people that have loved Dark Horse, and I certainly have. I've loved oh, yeah. a lot of the stories that Dark Horse has produced, and it's been part of the expanded universe identity, like one of the core elements of it. So this is going to be a big shift, but I I do hope that fans have an open mind with this. Like this could be really good for the franchises. This could really boost their profile. Again, it's bittersweet. It'll be sad to see Dark Horse go. At the same time, it is exciting to see what Marvel could do with these properties. And I think they could do some, some real good with them. And and because of just how quiet it has been, you know, the the fact that it's being given to the big boy, you know, it's being given to Marvel. It's reassuring knowing that the the properties aren't going to flounder under under the new ownership. We are at that point where we're not quite sure how everything's going to work, which is the scary point. Yeah, that's why you do have these knee jerk reactions, as well as not necessarily knowing what they put out. You know, it is a period of uncertainty, and yeah, this this is all speculation and wheel spinning and all that kind of stuff. And we've gone completely all over the place as to what I, I originally thought we were really going to be doing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what happens. You know, I I'm not a massive comic book fan, but you know, I do have my monthly pulls. I I, I get Spider Man, I get Spider Gwen every month i get all the spider crossovers you know i get some i get the flash trades so you know it's 
for me it's it's not just losing i'm not just losing alien you know i do have all these other stuff as well and i'm interested to see how they are handled under under the new ownership and they are people that i enjoy it's going to be an exciting experience when the marvel alien one comes out and you Mm -hmm. know just like oh my god here we go so yeah it's and with with the image teasers i really hope that they establish the property before they do any crossovers oh god yes so i don't think they're going, we sh- they're going to do crossovers right away for a long yeah. time i mean i mean uh, the the teaser images kind of hinted at that but i i think it eventually will happen otherwise they wouldn't have even allowed the teaser yeah it's it's got to us the post it, I mean. specifically says wrecking havoc in the marvel universe so it's like, what does that mean? No, it, that's, it, someone's that quote, sens- that's someone's that's sensationalism. Yeah, and yeah. Mar- Marvel, you go back and just read the fucking Marvel press release. Don't read everybody else's bullshit. <laughs> I think that was a quote from the the editor, right, or the artist. The artist is something different, though. David Finch is a work for hire. Yeah, Finch. Finch said that. Yeah, Finch is I'm pretty sure it was on the official Marvel site. Well, no, yeah, but but it's come from the artist, not not from um, yeah, Jake, not, Jake yeah. Thomas or Sabolski or anything. Yeah, I I think he just it's more like he like Aaron said, sensationalizing the the ideas behind that more than anything. So yeah, I don't think we're gonna see it for a long time. Obviously, we're gonna have something like that but to be honest i don't think it's going to be in, in a continuity i mean finch is the one who drew the crossover thing so maybe that's just him hoping exactly that's yeah. not gonna happen yeah but. yeah at the end of the day you know if you're a fucking marvel artist and you're told look it's some alien and predator you're gonna cross it over yeah, <laughs> yeah eventually i mean look at batman i'm, I'm and surprised Frederick. they didn't have the alien with spider-man's webbing or something you're gonna <laughs> Yeah, well, even even when they do a crossover, I really hope it doesn't become like a freak of the week type thing. Like they, I hope they have respect for these characters. I think they do. the, the yeah. crossovers yeah. in general have always been respectful. I mean, even the fucking um, Archie versus Predator. <laughs> that, that was a I lot better go. than it had any right to sound well any right than it sounds like it should be right no I, that's cool all right yeah i like the vampirella one you didn't i didn't like that yeah no, but... I, I say that as someone who doesn't know anything about vampirella but i thought i liked the story we still <laughs> we still have to do a podcast of the top cow crossovers aaron we'll, we'll do a crossovers one uh, the book. witchblade and the darkness crossover i, I, I haven't read that one <laughs> have oh, you, you done... gotta read that one have you guys oh. have done any podcast on the Batman and Predator one? I don't think we well, have. Guys, please have. I would love to come <laughs> back and talk about it because I have bought the, the other ones digitally too. So I would love to I have a reason to read those and, and, and just go on because I love We've, we've been thinking of doing a wider like all crossovers podcast where we would hopefully have enough time to go through all of them. And I think we well, could. To be fair, I think we would have to do a separate multiple, yeah, multiple. Na- narrow down ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but anyway, the idea of Marvel crossover stuff, and I, I do agree with Adam. You know, Alien and Predator under Marvel needs to be established as its own thing. But down the line, I would love to see them crossover. I mean, fucking Predator going up against Wolverine, Predator going up against Craven, even though Craven's really not that good. <laughs> Alien going up against Venom, shit like that. I mean, there's plenty of characters that I think would be really interesting to see them cross over, and and them sharing the same house would make them reasonably big crossover events. And and give them to me, just give them to me a couple of years down the line. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, people have to remember there was already a Buffy the Vampire Slayer alien pseudo alien crossover in one of the comics of Buffy. They didn't call it the alien, but it was literally it's exactly the same. It had acid for blood, everything, and it was basically an in joke based on Joss Whedon having written Alien Resurrection. Alien has been in something Marvel. I'm sure of it. Actually, let me just find it now. Really? I don't think yeah. it's ever had a crossover with Marvel. Let me find it because I'm sure I posted. A because yeah. you even had Predator versus Tarzan. It was getting to the stage where if you can think of a property, Alien or Predator had probably been in it somewhere. But it, it was in the same sort of situation as the Buffy one. Oh, no, it, it's not Marvel. Sorry, I'm thinking of a Galaxy Quest comic uh, that came out. Yeah, they've done DC crossovers, Top Cow crossovers, and what's the Rebellion line called that does Judge Dredd? AD 2000. That's right. Yeah. 2000 AD. I said this on Twitter, but anyone who wants to buy physical copies of those DC crossovers, I do it now because they ain't yeah. going to be reprinted anytime yeah. soon. So, <laughs> right. Marvel's, uh, Marvel will be reprinting those. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was just saying, audience people, get it now while it's hot because it those aren't going to be reprinted maybe ever. You know, so and, just- and also talking about like the uh, Marvel's potential for horror as well as like what if type stuff, we should really mention right here and now. There was a whole series that Marvel did. of It was like a what-if multiverse thing where all the Marvel characters, including the Incredible Hulk, could become zombies. And that was really full-on horror in that. Yeah. And that was Robert Kirkman who wrote a lot of those issues. Um, The guy who did it. There was some of the characters like Peter Parker put a slightly humorous spin on it. But it was quite, you know, there was gore. There was proper stuff going on in that. Even mainline Spider-Man, well, I say mainline, event Spider-Man's done some fucking horrific shit. Yeah. Like the tines to Spider-Verse, where one of the Peters was a fucking a horrific spider that ate somebody. Oh, I remember that in the cartoon, yeah. Oh, I love I, I love the original Spider-Verse comics. Um, oh, God, yeah. They, they were so much fun. I'm assuming it is from some of the promotional materials, but I've never actually read it about Morbius the Vampire. I'm assuming that's yeah, there's, there's a theme. Yeah, Oh, yeah, totally. No, Marvel's not. Listen, Marvel is not. It's not Dark Horse to where it's going to be, you know, again, saying four letter words and maybe having a little might tone down its violence a little bit. And again, I don't even know if it's going to be that much. I mean, I haven't read Labyrinth, though, so it sounds pretty. I don't know if they'd be doing Labyrinth anytime soon. But that being said, it's not going to be again. There's a lot, a lot of stuff out there that's very, very violent, bloody and not sacrificing this, you know, censoring things or it's not all 80s. It's not. It's not all 80s Spider-Man where it's him, you know, and, or whatever. It is floating around going, oh, golly gee, guys, blah, blah, blah. You don't have the comics code over these people. And and again, that's a big reason, you know, another reason why for years Marvel didn't produce a lot of violent stuff because they were un- under the comics code. And well, it's like want- with Batman, the old 1960s Batman. Yes. Compare that to how it was modernized. And yeah. I, I, don't, I, I think the Alien and Predator comics are going to be just fine tonally wise. Creative wise, you know, that's where I think it's really going to be interesting to me. That that's what I'm. I you know, wrestle my hands together about. I'm like, oh man, what are they? What are they going to give us? Because I think, like you said, Aaron, or maybe it was you, Adam, that kind of said it's going to be really exciting to get the first issue. And there's going to, and you better believe there's going to be some hype around these these comics when they come out. Like regardless of the creative teams, and I imagine that they put on a pretty decent, you know 
pretty famous creative team or a hyped creative team. That with the idea of the, their first issue is going to be huge. And I, this is not the same thing, but the first Marvel comic for Star Wars when it came back sold like millions of copies. I mean, granted, they had like, you know, all variant cover central but that's what they're going to do with these franchises too. They're going to put a bunch of variants on it. People are going to be excited about it. And then they need it's to a- kickstart it. Yeah. Exactly. And you're going to get people to read it and they're going to go, oh, this is really cool. Or yeah, I'm going to read this not because it's alien because it's Jonathan Hickman and in fact, it's alien or whatever. Again, I only put Hickman out there because he's a big name in comics. There's other big names in and, comics. And also people have got to realize this isn't just for the fans. This is going to be for the shareholders. They're mm-hmm. going to want to get maximum coverage, but they want to put the Marvel brand on it. Because yeah. that is going to be their chance to say, look what we can do. It's like when they did Farscape. What would you think if you heard like Jim Henson was going to do a science fiction show? The Henson Workshop wanted to do that because they wanted to prove they could do horror. And they could do this, that and that. But you would never associate with the people who did the Muppets. But you look <laughs> at what Farscape became. And they had some really, like they had John Crichton with his eyeball coming out like that. in what, When he was being tortured, he was really full on stuff. Damn. I, for one, I think that those first issues they come out is going gonna, is gonna to be really exciting. And I think I hope I hope they at least do an Alien comic, a Predator comic and an AVP comic next year. We have a run of each. But yeah, they, they said it'd be next year that we'd see the new series as. OK, I mean, we're not going to get as many Alien and Predator and AVP comics as we will Spider-Man and they're bigger properties, no. obviously. But no, I am yeah. wondering if it'll be to the same extent of Dark Horse. Like how many runs did Dark Horse typically have in a year? Like well, five or six? They took a break. Or, no, but they took a, a 10 year break at one point, though, right? Like that's what I was reading about when I was, when I was doing my. Yeah. Between Xenogenesis and mm-hmm. yeah, after Northern after the Human. three yeah, it was, it was after the break. three world war well, it was before the three world war. There oh, was a yeah. big ass break there. And even they, after the three world war arc, there was a little bit of a break, wasn't there? Probably about three or four years. Yeah, they, until yeah, after Prometheus. There yeah, was, they they only put out little uh, those little novellas in human condition and fast track to heaven. I think they were the only th- few things that came out before the big reboot. So, I mean, to me, I think that's what. I don't think you're going to have breaks like that unless they really aren't selling. And I think that Marvel's going to be, you know, I think you're going to see a monthly in one form or another, a monthly Predator and monthly Alien, and probably at some point, some like event Alien versus Predator comic. And I think that's, this is where it's going to be fun. I think there's going to be more, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but they, there's probably going to be buildup between the two comics to get to an AVP, which like, to be honest, to bring films back into it, that's kind of what I think the film should do. It, it would be nice. It would be yeah. super nice. I know. I know. That's kind of some people are going to be you know, hardcore alien fans who do not want their predator. Yeah, I've, in there. I've always loved AVP, but there's a lot of fans that feel like it should just always be separate. It's but that's the, the problem. Execution. That's the problem with the films too. Like the alien prequels, uh, the alien franchise is its own separate continuity in the films compared to AVP because the continuities with the Whaling Corporation and the founder don't fit. Yeah, but it but always the- felt like Fox was like. We're going to do this. No, 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 no. Oh, we're going to do this. No, no, no. They're all always a little too scared. It's very it. reactionary and backpedaling yes. and mm-hmm. course correction and stuff like that. Yeah. You, and, and again, and just like the comics and anyone going forward, you have to have a clear someone in charge that's going to be pushing the narratives at least a little bit, controlling where the stories are going. Not exactly verbatim per, you know, you need to have this, 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 and this, but just, you know, this is where we need to go and we need to get it to this point, whatever, yeah. and get it to that somehow. 
And they're going to have that with editors. And that's the nice thing about comics, right? You have editors who are now hopefully in control a little bit of where they're going. And I don't want to sacrifice the, the the independent storytelling kind of aspects that I think Alien has always had a little more creative freedom than I think the Predator. Predator is a straight up just action film. You know, I mean, that's an action franchise. It's got some horror elements. As well. There's more depth to it. Yeah, exactly. It's but whereas Alien has a lot more, a little more going on and with it, and I think I can understand where people are a little more protective of that because Predators, yeah, I love. By the way, I love Predator. I, I, it, Predators is my is my favorite of the Predators besides after the first one. Predators is amazing. It's my favorite. And I think that there's so much to build from that you just you need to focus on those aspects of what can we do to create this continuity in the comics, outside the comics, whatever, but keep the fans happy. But yet, here's the important part, bring in the new ones, because without new fans coming in, you're not going to eventually get new stuff because the old fans like us will eventually have, you know, there'll be a few of us left. But if you're not replenishing, you know, these these things, they get spice goes yeah exactly you're it's gonna die off eventually so you need to eventually grow it and how you grow alien i don't know and that's it's not by prequels by ridley scott i can tell you that right now and again i like and i like the prequels but you, it's time to push the franchises yep. forward i agree so, yeah. it's yep. even if you like them the financial reality is that they're just not selling i mean prometheus did it was just Covenant that had the big drop off. But I think part uh, of Prometheus think, was beyond just Alien. It was Ridley Scott's return to sci-fi. Well, it wasn't just story. Ridley Scott. It was people heard it was Ridley Scott and H.R. Giger coming back together. Yeah. But ultimately, mm-hmm. Giger unfortunately didn't contribute much and then he passed away. And part of that was due to a bit like the Marvel situation you said earlier. It was due to Ridley Scott's cinematographer, wasn't it? He he wanted greater control over what Giger did and Giger wasn't willing and Ridley Scott had to sort of choose between them, I think. But yeah, I think a big part of it was Giger and Scott coming together and people... But the novelty of that has now sort of worn off. Now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to sell it just on Ridley Scott's name alone. Not anymore, especially with how polarizing the, the prequels have become anyway. I mean, there's yeah. marketing traction there. It's just it doesn't have the power that it did. With it them. once did, yeah. And, and speaking of Prometheus, I would love to have the Prometheus. And again, I hope and I hope they say the films are canon. You know, these films are canon. Maybe they unfortunately take the AVP films out because you have to because they don't line up but in those comics take those Prometheus aspects and integrate it with the Predator like how they did with, I, in the, in the, in they the, did that Dark Horse did a massive run of no, two yeah, big series which is yeah. Fire and Stone and Life and Death and I honestly don't feel that AVP works in the Prometheus context myself but now that we have but here's the good news with that Marvel can look at the pros and the cons of doing that with those comics and say, how do we improve that? How do we make that more connective and how we, cause again, if you're going to, if you're going to bring the franchises with Avian versus predator, I mean, that means you inherently has to bring in the Prometheus stuff, doesn't it? So, I mean, if you count that as continuity, I mean, then it would have to discount the AVP films, but again, you can't, you can't, yeah, have yeah, the, yeah, exactly. you can't have the idea that the alien came from David and then the predators have also been hunting them for a long time so even with predator 2 like that that violates the canon of that so right so, so the, you take out the alien versus predator films and if the marvel's going based off of just the, the aliens franchise and predator franchise with those things apart it'll be interesting how they build it again whether they're building off their a new continuity or, or whatever is 
you know, which I think we all can agree they probably are. It's going to be a, probably a complete fresh reboot. So this thing will now will have to incorporate these Prometheus engineers. I don't think it. I don't think it has to. A lot of the newer comics by Dark Horse have not incorporated anything to the prequels, and I hope it stays that way. I do think the prequels have been so divisive and polarizing that Marvel would be better served focusing on the alien universe, not including those elements of the prequel well, films, because it'll just be too divisive among fans, but, in my opinion. But, but here's the, here's a problem though, because what does AVP do? They push the aliens in during the modern day. Yeah, like you the, just you wouldn't you wouldn't touch on those aspects. Story, you wouldn't touch you on to Peter Wayland. You wouldn't touch on. You would have to go in the future because of the, because yeah. of the, well, that's where it always belonged anyway. I mean, that's where it started. It's basically we're in a from a corporate standpoint, you're in a sort of honeymoon period where they got a blank slate. But the problem is, you only get one shot at doing the blank slate thing. It's for them to decide what they want to incorporate from Fox. But if they do it wrong, that's that's the sticking point because it's going to haunt them forever. Are they going to go with the Prometheus stuff? Are they going to go with this, that? It, it's for them to choose. We can't make any predictions. We're not them. But if they choose to, they do have because they are the new owners, they can choose to say, we declare this as not any longer part of canon. They can choose to do that. Whether or not they will, that's... I don't see them doing anything with Prometheus like Fire and Stone and Life and Death did. I feel like they are going to go with what's universally popular with fans. They'll stick to Alien, Aliens, and Predators. Exactly. Yep. You think so? That's what they no, should. That, yeah. That 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 is that is the Disney mentality, isn't it? You know, those are the proven, uh, the proven, the proven yeah, successes. Quantity, yeah. And, yeah, and, and let's be honest, Michael Fassbender isn't getting any younger. They will get to a point where he's not going to be able to. Hey, the digital de aging stuff. I mean, look at Samuel L. Jackson and Captain America. So, hey, you know, by the way, I mean, Captain Captain Marvel, sorry. uh, If if they do incorporate the Prometheus stuff in the comics, what I would love for for them to do is do a, let's say, how they take care of David uh, after Covenant is a predator like kills him or something like that. Like, that would be, (laughs) to me, like that, again, Oh, Ridley Scott would love that. As long as he's not in that derelict ship chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Scott is not a favor of the. Like, you, want to, you want to bring in the Prometheus stuff in the Marvel, uh, Marvel, the new I say Marvel continuity of Aliens versus Predator, but you know what I'm saying. But like that whole new yeah. thing, it's cool to have. Well, just start off with the Predator coming and just wiping out David right there. Even though Prometheus was kind of incorporated into the, the Alien films, Aaron and I were kind of talking about this. Prometheus is its own property. It's its own separate franchise that was not mentioned in the Marvel thing. So if they were going to touch on the prequels and do a comic, they should keep it contained to that. I would like to see the story of David and Shaw on that Planet 4 and how oh, that unfolded. I would love to see if that. If they comic. did that comic, that would be fucking amazing. But keep that contained to the prequels like this is part of the the story that we told in these films and we're expanding upon that but it's not part of this big wider thing that's what i mean that they need to kind of pick and choose what they need to have groups of stories i feel like and not have any direct contradictions but the stories have their own unique identities and they're allowed to do their own things and they don't have to always reference each other so if fans like me don't like a story like with the prequels the prequels are very divisive i can just say you know what i'm not including that in my head canon and not have it always be referenced in everything so it's easier for for some fans that might be jaded to compartmentalize stuff like that at the same time i think you can do it in a way that's not everything out of sync you know hmm. so i think we're starting to go around in circles here yeah so perhaps this is wrap-up time it's been nearly two and 
Is there is there anything anything different that anybody'd like to? It's 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 just exciting. I mean, it's exciting and it's and scary and yeah. scary. <laughs> That's as simple as we can put it from everything we're, we've think, talked about. Yeah, we're apprehensive. It's it's the eternal thing about prepare for the worst but hope for the best. I think there's the potential there for it to be extremely good, yeah. but it, whether or not they capture it. We've gone through all the positives that Marvel could introduce to this. We've gone through the worries. We've gone through things that alleviate any of the worries. We've gone through the likelihoods based on their track record. Yes, exactly. Okay, I think we've covered everything without looping around and going over stuff again as we all want to do sometimes when it comes to the speculative episode because at the end of the day this is a speculative podcast absolutely it's been the first we've done for a goddamn while as well like when we had the first teaser trailer for covenant we talked for two and a half hours about it so three three hours three hours (laughs) so uh yeah anyway Everybody listening, everybody watching, you know, please feel free to uh, chip in with comments, concerns. You know, some of the stuff we've talked about, some of the examples of, of Marvel doing adult or, or more mature things alleviated your concerns, or are you still narrowly focused with your laser vision on uh, immaturity? But yeah, I mean, we're certainly looking forward to seeing what they are going to do. Paul. Yes. You're a bit of a podcast whore, aren't you? I am. I am a podcast whore. Do you want to let everybody know uh, some of the uh, multitude of podcasts that they can find you on? You, you know what? I'm just going to say, go find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. That's where all my podcasts are listed at. I got a bunch of them. I want to say thank you again. I know I talk a lot and this has been a blast, guys. Seriously. it's it, You guys are awesome. I really appreciate it. I love the show. I'll come back anytime you ask me to come on. This is a blast. And uh, again, it's great meeting you guys all. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And for sharing your Marvel expertise. We'll definitely have you back when Comic One drops. I'll be there. Adam, where can people find us? If you want to find us, uh, we have a website, avpgalaxy.net. We're also on all the major social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can find those by typically just searching AVP Galaxy or Alien versus Predator Galaxy. Versus as in VS or VS dot. And where are you on uh, If you want to follow me personally, it's RidgeTop21 at both Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow me, I'm only available on Twitter for stalking because, you know, I have my limitations on how much I can handle. And that is underscore Corporal Hicks. And that's uh, Alien, Predator, Stargate, Star Trek, Airsoft, general nerdy, nerdy bollocks like that. Eric, I'm assuming you still haven't sorted yourself out. Yeah, I'm trying. Well, at the moment, I'm still on DeviantArt at Scent Analysis, but I'm trying to move over to ArtStation on a less pretentious-sounding name. So, um, yeah, I will update <laughs> Maybe you. Maybe one people can spell. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that, that would be very useful for uh, actually getting a profile out there. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Corporal Hicks. Ridgetop. Xenomorphine. And P-Thug. Signing off. 